0: Charles Bergeron, as usual.
1: Hey, good to be here once again.
0: Our almost-blind Alaskan Lynx, who probably shouldn't fly, but will still fly anyway, Uh, Zane Kimoni. Hi. Uh, We've got Sergio Mm. Otul back. Yes,
2: I have returned. Indeed.
0: And... And joining us this time, for the first time, Edward McMurdo! Oh, um, McMurdo, sorry. McMurdo, oh, I botched that up. Edward McMurdo. Swatch, Ed. columnist from the Portland Journal. How are you, how, are you, going? how are you going?
3: I'm doing fine. Don't worry about the name, I kind of batched myself sometimes and it's my name, so. Mood.
0: Mm. <laughs> and you're free to call me Wes Curry. <laughs> I'll call you late for dinner. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, guys, how you been? I'm um, um, all right.
3: Alive.
2: Been, I've been doing. I've been doing pretty well. Just watched. Yeah, just another FBA season just wrapped up, yep. and we have a new FBA champion: the Bangor Tides. But Chubby Bunny finally has a ring. My <laughs> wildfire.
0: Yeah, I'm glad for that. I'm glad for that. But uh, Charles... Yo. I am happy for him, too. <laughs> That's... How are you, ben?
1: Uh Well, me. Uh, been going pretty okay uh, at the Montreal Gazelle. Still looking up over uh, what's happening. Especially with the Royale. uh Sure, right now, uh, pretty much uh, everyone in the front offices are preparing for uh, next season before uh, the draft coming in, and and that uh, finally uh, the training can start kicking in a little bit later. But uh, we're still keeping in form.
0: Yeah, certainly. It's a bit. I mean, it's kind of, kind of how it is. I mean, the team's dipping in form. There's, there's been a lot of them. Like, uh, we've got, we got Adelaide. Who we're gonna get to? who haven't even won a game yet this season. Uh, you got. Yeah, we we'll got to that. Um, we've got. Uh, we have Craner kind of struggling in Formula One. You got, uh, I mean, the FBA says it's already kind of finished. We kind of know that Texas weren't weren't doing too flash. And UFFL, well, uh, Downriver, well, they've kind of been a bit of a team down in the rocks a bit recently for a while. So, yeah, you you get those turns of form. It's always always the question, can you break them? Normally you can. Sometimes it takes a really long time to. But anyway... (laughs) Anyway, moving on, I think, to Around the World. All right. And first off we're going to be talking about the Indian Atlas 500 And Formula 1 driver Kamuri Uferu won it So he's now got two thirds of the Triple Crown as he won in Monaco back in 2015 So he he won it but it was in a bit of a controversial fashion Not from anything he did but from another driver Dan Devon Banned from IndyFur for reckless driving and a post-race assault on the guy. Frankly, well-deserved in my opinion. Taking a break from a disappointing Formula 1 season upstart Fentech, Ufaru claimed the title in his first attempt driving for Crawford Autosport. With victories at Monaco and Indy, as I said before, Ufaru now only needs an overall win at the 24 Hours of Le Mans... To become only the second driver in history to claim the triple crown of motorsport, so bit of a big deal. Anyone wanna Anyone wanna give us a bit of a brief summary of it and just how they feel about this?
2: Mm, yes, it's, that is a um, tremendous achievement, considering only one other driver has done it. I believe it was uh, was it Camillo Crawford who had done it. I so. uh,
0: no, no. It was. Oh, uh, no, if I, no. I think it was. If I'm honest, I think it was Stanley Studsworth. I think, or Studworth. Uh, like, like you know, you know the, you know, the father it. of Denny Studworth. Yes, I believe. Hmm. Yeah, that I like might
2: that. be. That might be the one. Yeah, yeah.
0: That is the one. Is the one. Uh, so I mean, yeah. It's a big achievement to have. But I mean now. He's done the easy parts, if you can call them easy, and now he's got to do the really hard one. Not only does this car, if he goes into Le Mans, have to last 24 hours, it has to be at the front by the end of it, and that's a hard, hard ask. If Mm. you ask me.
2: It is indeed. I mean, yes, you have to be the overall winner, and I believe in, in an endurance race like that, there are several classes so you can't just win your class you have to be the overall winner
0: yes so that
2: is quite a challenge
0: like he will have to get L&B, an l one driver if he wants to even a shot at this because let's just say if he's in the GTM class he's nowhere. He's going to be nowhere close <laughs> uh, anyone true. else? They're not,
2: oh, okay. not the, the different cars they're not all created equal that is very true <laughs>
0: Yeah. Uh, anyone else want to interject? Are we happy to move on? I mean,
4: we can. Maybe we can move on because my 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 thoughts are just. Uh, I mean, I'm. I I'll be super happy with. I'll be super happy if he gets it. But like, I mean, I mean, uh, Dan Devin just sort of overshadows that whole thing with him. You know, with the shove and everything, like. Why did you have to get physical with it? And I get the fact that you don't—you may not want him getting the triple crown, but like, really, you gotta get violent with it?
0: I, I don't think so. I think yeah, it's t- a bit more at stake than that. But uh, Edward, go ahead.
3: Oh uh, yeah, I, I totally get that. I mean, but then again, now you gotta wonder if—if Kamori is gonna use that as a sort of you know fire from within. It's like, oh no! I got you know, I got thrown on the ground. I got this guy banned because of his stupid actions. So maybe I could use that to, to, you know, do better in the future. So you know, these kind of incidents, eh, they're regrettable and they, but they can be kind of you know, pin on the, pin on the uh, locker room message board kind of moments.
0: Certainly, they certainly can. I think we saw in the next race in Canada that we saw to see a bit of motivation from. I mean. He's, I mean, he's been frustrated, but I mean... To me, I think he's had a decent season considering the equipment he's got. Mm. But uh, you are right, his win was overshadowed by the post-race actions of Paul Sitter Dan Devon. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the Don, the, the Don as car- racing driver clipped over his car at the finish line, sending him rolling down... The start, upset with the result, Devon pushed over to the ground. And after the race, of course, he got banned from future competition, with IndyFur CEO Gary Thomas citing the incident as the latest in a long line, and that they, they had given him more than enough chances. I think that's pretty fair. If I'm honest, I think, I think I'll go to Cedric, because he didn't kind of get an yes, opinion but... on that.
2: <laughs> yes, from what I've heard, Dan Devon he has been a bad egg, For quite a few years at IndyCar now. Mm -hmm. So I can't say I'm surprised. I can't say I'm surprised that IndyFur finally said, you know what, we've had enough with with this guy. Certainly. uh, I totally totally support IndyFur's decision to ban him. mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: Certainly, I agree with that, but I mean, I think the thing is, Dan Devon wasn't trying to do this because Ufra was going for the Triple Crown. No, Devon has been wanting his, his spot in the 1 for ages, and he thought his best opportunity was to beat this guy in the 1, so he could perhaps move over there. But yeah, he's probably, gotten, he's probably dashed away any chance he has of that now. Even though, since this, he's Mm -hmm. announced that he's going to be driving in Super Formula and Formula Renault 2.0 Euro Cup. So, he's still going for those Super License points. Just, I don't know if anyone's going to want him or if he's even going to do well.
2: (laughs) Well, he's not going to get enough from a Euro Cup or, I believe, Super Formula is... Formula is the Japan series. He's not going to get enough
0: points uh, if, he, if he wins both, he'll have... If he wins both, he'll have 43 points, and that will get him three points over, the, over what he needs. So, he he can, but he, he has to do very well in both. <laughs> mm. And that's probably the hard part. <laughs> but, yeah, and even then, like... You'd have to be a very desperate team if you were going to pick him up, but, but those are just my thoughts. But uh, congratulations to uh, Kamari Ofaru on winning the Uni- Indianapolis 500. Good luck at the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Uh, go
4: ahead. I was just saying, yeah. I'm gone. All
0: right. Uh, okay, moving on to Formula 1. Uh, well, we were kind of on it before, but here we are. Uh, Anna Neon fails to finish in her return to Formula 2, marking her fourth consecutive DNF. The Emirati driver saw herself crash out of the Formula 2, or Formula 2 feature race at Monaco. Fourth DNF The Road, going back to a short-lived stint in Formula 1 earlier this season... Considering all of those non-finishes are results of accidents she has caused rather than mechanical failure, the Lynx herself has been getting very heavily criti- criticized by pundits following the race. I mean, a lot of them think she should go to Formula 3 as soon as possible, and seemingly her own father, the owner of Hamed Force, Hamed El Leon, seems to be losing patience with her. I mean, this is kind of a sad story, but I mean... It's kind of understandable. This is she's not that talented by the looks of things. Uh, anyone kind want to kind give a bit of a perspective on this? I mean, wow. is it
4: talent, or sorry, is it talent, or is it like people crashing into her? Because what what are what are causing the DNFs? So or what is causing the did not finishes? Is it she is, is she being? She's crashing
2: into people, from what I I understand. <laughs> it's so so if it's,
4: Okay, so in this situation, knocking down the Formula Three. If it's not, if it's other people crashing into her, or just her own breaking things, her own things breaking down, then we're then we have then we're treading some then we're treading some different water here. But especially if it's other people crashing into her, making her DNF. Uh, in an attempt to get her down to formula three which apparently is not what is going on but if if it it's, was what was going on then not. we're gonna have to stop. okay yeah. okay so so I was I was just saying oh sorry I was just saying that if if it's since it's her crashing into the people yeah move her down to formula three I mean
0: it's is it it's I uh, got I think we lost the connection, people. The Alaskan
5: internet just,
0: <laughs> just gone to Alaska and cut off the entire internet there. So uh, <laughs> I <know>.
3: yeah, <laughs> maybe she really crashed cool. into the. Uh, uh, yeah. Maybe I'm crashed into the 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 line, huh?
0: <laughs> I think so. Uh, Cedric, we'll yes. get some thoughts from you. I think.
3: <laughs> well, it, I mean, I mean, uh, as.
2: As, um, Zane, yeah. <laughs> as Zane, yeah, as Zane referred to, alluded to earlier, it's not an issue of inferior equipment because, well, in, I mean, her teammate in Formula One, Petr, the rookie Petri Säkkinen, he is currently leading the point standings in that Hamad four in the same Hamad Force Conduct. Yeah. So I think when it what it boils down to is Amna was not ready for for, for Formula One. She should have never been in Formula One. And I think I think the fact that she's DNF'd in Formula Two sort of bears that out. <laughs> it's not like she she's clearly not just gone back. And dominated down there. She She has work to do if she's going to return to the One someday.
0: Certainly. I would agree with that. As Zane. It seems like you've fixed the internet from when Freddy Hell Neon decided to. Think crash we're back on onla-
4: think we're back. <laughs> yeah, I think we're back online. Uh it's it's not like it's not like I can really see the pull anyway to try to fix it, but like uh, it's which is also I uh, I'm I'm not it's also why I I report on what I do but like yeah I think we're I think we've got it going here
0: yeah I think I think we've got it going uh anyone else want to interject before we move on to the UFFL here
1: uh well uh, from uh, what I seem to see uh, uh the, it seems to, to be a classic case of someone that. Uh, uh, wish to to uh, try something because she can't uh, obviously she cannot so we just hoping that uh, do sooner than later uh, people's going to realize she is caught up for the sports and uh, tell her what's what
0: Hmm. Yeah, I'd agree heavily on that. I think they've just rushed it too early.
3: I the mean, last thing yeah. I'd say that they need is someone who's got a demolition derby uh, mindset, apparently, trying to win that way.
0: Well, I mean, she didn't really have much pace either. Like, she was... for all the races I saw, she was way at the back of the pack anyway, so if she was crashing, she was crashing into people who were lapping her anyway, so... <laughs> It's not like she, she was crashing away through the pack, she was crashing away being lapped by the pack. So...
4: Yeah. I'm just gonna say, oh, hold up, I'm just gonna say, Demolition Derby with Formula 1 cars, I'm in. Uh, oh, my God. oh my goodness.
0: Uh, mm, no, I'm not. Just, I'm not, just the right amount you. of carbon fiber That's and money no. that be wasted on That's that, not. like, one race and you're bankrupt, it's, and you're yeah, in debt to every Is country in the world there
5: they are easier ways to throw away. 10
0: I'm telling like, America
4: bucks. isn't already bankrupt to every country in the world.
0: Uh, God, <laughs> uh, okay, sorry. So,
4: yeah, let's stop before this gets. Let's stop before this goes to far to politics.
0: Yeah, yeah, let's let's <laughs> kind of let's move on a bit because uh, God, we can talk about economies of the world all day, but. Moving on to the UFFL, uh, the Downriver Waves. Their training facility has been damaged by storms. The owner and the GM pledged to build new facilities in Monroe, Michigan. Uh, no, not Monroe, that's where the previous one was. Oh, God. Dearborn Heights, they'll be building the new ones. The damage was estimated at $4 million. Owner Charles Ferrett, Sr. and General Manager Charles Ferrett, Jr., I see this is a family operation. Another family. I've announced the a- a- yeah. I- <laughs> construction instru- yeah. of a new downriver training centre in Dearborn Heights. And an estimated cost of three million eight hundred and forty three thousand dollars. So the new facilities are expected to be completed before preseason begins in September and well, they've got some money in the bank. That's if the estimations are correct. Maybe they might not be. I don't know. But <laughs> it seems it's, I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. I don't think anything anything really bad's going on here. But it's kind of weird to see something get damaged for four million and then build a new one for cheaper. It's I don't know what's going on. Uh, anyone well, want to talk uh, about uh, this one?
1: <laughs> well, uh, from what I I've been hearing, they sure got their ways with the numbers. Uh, sadly, um, it's it's kind of fortunate to see things happen like that because as we all know, uh, recent years hasn't been too kind for the downriver waves. Uh, they seem to always having trouble to get over the hump after they're so tile and the inaugural first uh, full season of the UFFL. Uh, hopefully, it's not going to be, a, like a... time, time to things to come. When I say that, it things go bad, as usual.
0: Uh, is there anything going alright in the audio department here? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I can't. I can't hear him. Oh. A little faint. Yeah, a little faint. There. Uh, Charles, can can it? Can you pick it up a little bit here, or is it a? Uh,
1: are you guys hearing me? Yeah. Now? Yeah.
0: Much better. Much better.
1: Okay, that's better.
0: I think, pe- okay. I think yeah, the people they... the people listening can, but yeah, you were coming in very quiet. Still,
1: well, uh, like I said, unfortunately, uh, it's all, things happen, and uh, hopefully, it won't going to be a sign uh, that things is going to be same old, same old with the Downriver, and hopefully, at least the fans are hoping that it's finally going to be things turning around
0: this season. Certainly, I think they'll be hoping for that. Uh, Does anyone else want to interject before we move on? Um, actually,
3: yeah, it's uh, interesting to think that they're building this now. Um, only because uh, with the UFLB, we're getting the, the downriver team, the downriver river robbers, so, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I haven't heard anything, but it could be interesting to see if they kind of merge their plans together to get a whole sports complex with that going, you know what I mean?
0: Hmm. That that would be interesting if they can get that. That would if be you good. Even thought of that. That's all. just decide. Okay, screw it. We're gonna move elsewhere because that'll give us the complex we want. <laughs> you never know. You never know. But I think I think they'll be staying put. But yeah, that I think could be interesting to see if they do get a complex. Uh, thanks, thanks, Edward, for reminding me that the river otters were a thing. <laughs> oh,
3: we haven't started yet. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Zane, you want to give any closing comments before we move on, or Cedric?
6: Want to you it? Um, I, I am a bit
4: of a UFFL guy, and I was I actually went down there. I actually went over over there, uh, to to like report on the damage, and I even though I couldn't see any of it, in a bit, I don't know why they always <laughs> ask me to come down there. But, like, it's, it's like seriously, uh, the whole idea of like. It's all gone over there. Like, it's all gone over there. So, the fact that they even have the money to, like, rebuild is unbelievable. And there's also all the, all the, all the players who, who are, like, helping out over there. It just goes to show that, that, like, it's there. It really is, some of that really is bigger than the game. Um, that, that, like, real life is bigger than the game. And that we really, and that there really has to be. That uh, it's not just you know the team. It's a family, and that's and that really goes to show. It really shines bright there right now.
0: Yeah, that's. So that's, I mean, that's certainly a good thing. I mean, especially with this and with how they've been playing for the last couple of seasons, they needed to start kind of gelling, And sometimes, even in disaster, sometimes what can blossom out of it is. Helps out whatever is there. Like I don't know where I was going with that, but you know what I mean. Like sometimes disasters happen, and it just kind of bonds the team together. So, uh, everyone ready to move on? I suppose so. Yeah. Right. Uh, moving on to here, the Texas Ramblers have toured the state as furball champions. Have an open tour, open top tour of the state. Many fan autographs and photo sessions with the fans. <laughs> At the meter champ aint the chance events, organize all of the state. Many fans taking photos of the MVP Curtis Pike's foot due to his awesome punning during the big game. Did Jack Knight write this or what?
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs> it sure seems so.
4: <laughs> yeah, it really does seem so. Oh, uh,
0: Jesus. Oh, God. The, the only thing else that be added with the there is that they are so great that all the males on the earth suddenly moved to Texas by by telekinesis and are now oh. sitting in Lone Star Stadium right now because that's how awesome the Texas Ramblers are, but
4: <laughs> well, that, that doesn't happen till Thursday. Here's the thing, that doesn't here's that's going to happen, but not till Thursday. So
3: you mean that isn't what Texans normally think anyway?
0: Oh god.
3: <laughs> mm, that's... Good point.
0: I can't rate, wait for Rambler's Land to open up next door to the stadium like, and become a huge theme park.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he, he's thinking about it right now.
0: Uh, yeah, well, I mean... Don't give him ideas. <laughs> I mean, he's running a firm in the one team, for God's sake, so he'd certainly have the money to build a theme park if he wanted it. So, uh, guys, any any highlights you've heard about the tour? <laughs>
1: Uh, no, but I, I, I'm sure that it's uh, uh, sure that he is going to be talking uh, a lot uh, of everything in the little you know, uh, interview you have been putting up for him.
0: Yeah, I've actually managed to catch up with him, sir. So we're gonna go to what I hope is a new segment. The um. I don't even have a proper name for it at the moment let me just think of one off the top of my head uh oh god uh, cut to the segment
5: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, we'll, we'll edit a new title in post doesn't matter <laughs> we'll, the title we'll do it live
4: <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> the the late show I don't know whatever let's carry go 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 <laughs> And welcome back. And my guest at this time is he's a bit of a you'd know him from a lot of places. You'd either know, you might know him from the Faful due to being president of the Geelong Generals. You might know him as the owner of the Texas Ramblers. You might even know him as the owner of the Skeletrix Formula One team. But right now, he's my guest, Jack Knight. Welcome and to the show. And for Troy's once, head. I'm
6: actually keeping my clothes on. <laughs> and that's good. That is good, but... Yeah, because I'm guessing that... you all saw what happened at the furrow ball.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, we also saw what happened in Monaco, but <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, yep. But thanks for being on the show again. Uh, sorry we couldn't get you on hey, the. Thanks for s- having me. At the <laughs> same time as the rest of the guys, but uh, how have you been recently? We're going to get
6: into more Oh, uh, you know, it's just been, so... been living the high life, because obviously we're probably going to touch on the two subjects in a minute, but, you know... We've really been pulling in silverware in recent months, so obviously you know, there's been celebrations, parties, beer and bit Nope, just beer. <laughs> but yep. Yeah, there's been a lot of celebrating going on down at the night towers.
0: Certainly. I I would think so. There's been a lot to celebrate. So, um what are some of your personal opinions on some recent events? I mean, we've had we've had a few. I mean I mean there's been there's been your team winning the fur ball. There's been there's been Bangor winning the the FBA championship. There's been there's been like I mean, there's been yeah. Marinello doing a F free junior team for their junior program. We've got the draft coming up for the UFLB. We've got your we've got did I say the generals that were in third, but now in fourth? There's been a lot happening. What are some of your opinions on just stuff that's just been happening in general? It doesn't have to be what I've said, but just just in general anything you have
6: thought about <laughs> yeah just in general it's been good for, for Geelong this year because obviously I've been trying to bulk them up a bit because they seem to have you know a yo-yo on every alternate season we do good we do crap we do good we do crap so obviously I'm hoping to at least make you know make the playoffs this season at least over in the FAFL. and I'm hoping that our current position will at least take us there and know it's probably going to be close and go down to the last few games but yeah, we we'll just just see how that one plays out. And I also, mean, you know, g- got me a little notes here as well about Downriver and the fun they've had with their training center. It's so, like, geez, that's going to be one pretty penny.
0: Yeah, but somehow they somehow they're managing to build it for less than than the damage, which I don't know. I think we talked about a bit before, so. Yeah, that's that I don't know what's going on there. But uh I mean Geelong I think can hold their position, they just keep their form up, I think. They've they've got the they've got the talent to do so, they're
6: just gonna just gotta keep it together. But yeah, you know, just keep you know, not falter in the in the end part of the season. But it's just like, you know, looking at the there's, like one team I do not feel I really do feel for at the moment is the poor fans of the Butcher It's like, oh my god. Yeah, Looking we're
0: at a, you know, zero for twelve. Yep, yeah. uh, we're kind of we're we kind of t- going to talk about that. Uh, it's a it is pretty sad. I mean, I really I really do think that they can get a win this season, but how many
6: games do we have left?
0: Uh it would be round twelve, so we've got about uh, we've got about six games left.
6: Yeah, can they at least win one of them?
0: Uh, if they play like they did, if they play like they did in round twelve, I'd say yes. I think they have a possibility of doing so. <laughs> but they have the to. Fans they just have
6: want to... at least one W.
0: Yeah, I think everyone wants one W at least. But uh, pretty much moving on, let's let's talk about Monaco for a bit. Um, you have introduced a Formula One team this season called Ske- Skeletrix and. They've been doing okay. They haven't been the top team, but you guys have done all right. Uh, but yeah, Monaco for... was where it really shone. For, for the first oh, yeah. time in team history, you guys got a team win with Gareth Bellen driving the car. Meanwhile, Cassandra Ollett was in eighth. I mean, eighth might not be the best for her, but I mean, you guys would have been over the moon with Gareth getting his f- first win since his return and the first win for the team. And
6: to have done it Too in right. the Principality. Oh yeah, Back, you know, back at the Scale Electrics HQ, it was just there like, was not one person who was not celebrating when Bellin crossed that finish line. It was the you know, the champagne was out. You know, we've already got the uh, Grand Prix trophy in the cabinet. You know, all shined up nice and pretty. But like I so said, yes, well eighth may not have been best for so Cassandra. You know, she she is really trying her best. She has pulled out some decent results, even beating Bellin at a few points if I remember right.
0: Uh, yes, that would be correct. In fact, the next race at a home race, she she but she was in front of Ballon in sixth. So, she has been putting in some decent results. I just think maybe you guys might be up. Are you guys planning on upgrading the car at the mid at the mid-season break? Or well, I don't think it's a break. Possibly but we're
6: we're umming an ironing on it. On you know, maybe giving the engine a little bit of a tweak, see if that can go forth. Because I know we're like I said, I know we're not really near the top. I'd like to maybe push ourselves up in team stakes a little bit, and hopefully a little tweak of the engine will help there.
0: Certainly, I think I think maybe part of that might be the fact that uh, Ferrari themselves have to supply four teams, and it's it's a hard ask trying to supply one or two teams, but trying to do four teams on the grid at the same time when almost all of them are trying to challenge for stuff. You kind of have some people who get get probably better treatment than others, and I think. Maybe, I mean Marinello has been their partner since the beginning, so I mean they're gonna get a bit of a thing. I think Comet they're Power Engine. Yeah, they're probably gonna get their upgrades first. So like you got them, you got you got Comet Power who have kinda got the former world champion as well. So I mean you're not you're not like Longtails who who are kind of, they're kind of also in the same situation. I mean, they've been kind of they've gotten points here and there, but They've only gotten one win on the board so far with Trey Goodwin in Canada, so... Hopefully, fingers crossed for you guys, you either manage to get the upgrades you need, or perhaps next season maybe move to a different supplier, because I know... I know Mercedes are really looking to get back on the grid.
6: Yeah, that was uh, depending on how we do for the rest of the uh, season, the Grand Prix we have left, we may very well be looking at, you know, maybe an alternate engine supplier if we cannot get the performance we need. Out of a Ferrari.
0: Certainly, I think I think that's a good thing to think about. But I mean, of course, a lot of people would be celebrating that win, you included. I mean, just tell us how how your reactions were when he crossed that line, because I mean, you were happy in that. But what were your
6: instant feelings? Oh, it was just through the roof, like you know, like you know, it was my first foray into the world of motorsports, and to pick up the first win. Let alone, you know, the big win over in Morocco, M- Morocco, Monaco. <laughs> I mean, that's the one. I really need to learn my geography. You there's a place called Morocco? Uh, and it's uh, like Morocco. Just... Uh. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you know, to get you know, get a win in the big Monaco Grand Prix, it is immense. Plus, like I said, to get the first Grand Prix win under the team's belt, you know, I can only celebrate in the one way I know how: jumping naked into the bloody swimming pool. You know, <laughs> my unit will Free the pain <laughs> Yeah, I was expecting Which uh, everyone at home you really need to do. Hashtag free the pain. God.
0: But yeah, you're right. I mean, that was pretty good, I think. I mean, it was like I knew after the fireball and that which we'll get to, like you're pretty much gonna do that and Yeah, um I also saw you kinda of shoved Bellin into the pool as well. <laughs> Oh, we had to. You know, you
6: have to get the trophy boy in the water.
0: Yeah, that's... I mean, you certainly do. I mean, big win for you guys. Big win for him. I mean, this is his comeback to be able to get at least one win, and especially in the principality. That has to do his confidence well, and I think... Yeah, I think you guys are probably... Like, I can look at the rankings right now, but I think if I can... If I remember correctly... Uh, I think he's in the top five so far. Yes, he's in he's in fifth, uh, behind Goodwin and but yeah, I think if you guys can get a little actually if you guys can get a little bit more pace in the second half, he could be charging for the title. But you guys gotta just kinda stick it out a little bit at the moment, I think. But Yeah, like it may take
6: a season or two to really, you know, get a system that gels together.
0: Yeah, because you gotta get the you gotta get the manufacturer, right, you gotta have the got to have the right engineers to provide the chassis and all that. There's a there's a lot that goes into a car besides just the driver. Like, you gotta have everything
6: gelling together to pull it off, so I'm glad it you're goes, thinking long term. Yeah, because was <laughs> the same story, you know, like over in Texas when I first took over the Ramblers back in, you know, season one, day one of the UFFL. You know, I didn't know too much about what was going on, and it took, a, took me a while to tweak things, learn things, try different methods, before I finally found, you know, working formula that's stuck. And hopefully I can use that same sort of mentality to get us up to the top in Formula One.
0: Certainly, that is a good mentality to have like I mean a lot of teams should start doing that because I mean there are I in Formula One, it's kind of always been a case that if some guy will just put in a team, think he's gonna go to the top of the grid and then it flames out spectacular and then they're off the grid within two or three years. I like how you're thinking. You, when you come into a sport like Formula One, you have to always think long term.
6: Yeah, because you know, like you know, Bell, you know, both Bell and Uwe, they could, you know, they could have come in and be the next big thing, or they could have completely flopped. You know, we all have bad games, you all have bad seasons. So, you know, even if say we completely bomb it in the next half of the season, how they're both still going to be on the team because it, you know, one season does not make well. I would say one season does not cost you a career but we all remember what happened with Roy the, Roy de Jesus de de Jesus yeah. Yeah. and in monkey
0: and a more in a more recent case Anna al leon so I mean you're gonna st- even if you're gonna keep a driver around they're gonna show at least or play around they're gonna show at least some sort of <laughs> talent like if they're not sure if they are that terrible sometimes you're just gonna cut your
6: losses and let it go. <laughs> yeah. But both, like I said, both Bellin and Ole, they've been pulling in, I say, respectable positioning, respectable placing. So, still nothing to be sneezed at considering this is season one.
0: Certainly. I mean, to get a win in your first season is always a good thing. But uh, yeah. moving on to the moving on to the furball, on that, I think that was probably the biggest game in your career as an owner and a president of, of a club and that because you would never at that point Gotten to a point where you guys were fighting for a championship until this point. Like, you had always made it to the playoffs, but always stumbled. Like, you got close last year, but didn't make it. You Before that, I don't think you'd won a playoff game. Am I correct on that?
6: Yeah, we all, we always got knocked out in the first round.
0: Yeah, so this is the first time you guys were in a fur bowl, and it's up against the ranked champions. The pressure couldn't be higher. I mean, fill us in fill us in and give us a walk in your shoes from that from that time period because it it had to be pretty nervous.
6: It agrees it's like from the moment we first pulled up to the Bowl Stadium for the game, it was just like everyone felt the pressure, especially when we all just you know, when every everything was empty, no fans, no crew, no nothing, we just all walked onto the field when we arrived and you know, even then you felt the magic. It just like like you said yourself, like we had always bombed in the playoffs. We could have had like a respectable main season, but the moment we hit the playoffs, just something rolls down on trouser leg and that's it. We're all we're gone. And then, you know, like like you said, out of all my, you know, personal ventures in the world of first sports, this is my first quote unquote like title fight. And like you say, you know, it was against the defending champions who were just as determined to retain their title as we were to win it so we knew that you know this was going to be a challenge that was not going to be sniffed at so like you know when that first whistle blew and that first kick was you know first ball was punted we knew game on and it was like you know it wasn't until that final whistle blew that my nerves finally settled down because even when we was it had a respectable lead i've known from the past not to you know not to count your chickens until that final whistle's blown it was just but any yeah, but yeah. Literally, the moment the game was called, it was just like you know, it was like the, the dream of a little Diddy Jack, little tiny, little tiny, tiny dragon. You know, when he was with his dad, throwing that ball around the backyard, and there he was, holding a trophy of his of his very own, his own furball ring on the finger. It was just like it was like everything you dreamed of and more. Because to quote one of the greats, you know, like when you hold that trophy or you get that ring on your finger it's an experience you wish everyone could have but what makes it special is knowing that not everyone will get that chance just to say we've you know we've managed to put the name Texas Ramblers into the history of fur champions That is just something I cannot take up. it was absolutely fantastic
0: i mean it's you always get that from from teams that have won it and that, like i mean it's i've heard it once called if you win win a championship, you're in the history books forever. You lose a championship, you're scarred for life. Like that's that's just how it always happens. But I mean, you've been very lucky when you've gotten to the chance chance to actually be able to play in it or not play in it. I mean, your team got to play in it. You managed to manage to win it. Like I mean, there are a lot of people on the other side who just kind of. Can is a bit of a dark moment because just of how it ended, how they could have done things differently. Like, I bet you some of the players on Chicago at the moment are wishing that they'd done, they'd played the game differently. But, but the thing is that there can only be one winner and there can only be one loser. And as you said, that's that's what makes it so special.
6: That there's a saying for any match, really. You know, you, there's always going to be the what ifs. Is like with any loss I've had in any sport. It's like, you know, you always think, what if we did this? What if we ran this play? What if we didn't punt? What if we didn't throw? What if we didn't, you know, run the ball? What if we didn't get sacked? It's like, you know, there's so many what ifs. Like, you know, for example, what if we didn't get that safety that I know Jamarcus Triper got? What if we didn't get that? Maybe completely different. What if, you know, Curtis Pike weren't kicking the absolute golden shots that he was for the entirety of that game? There's so many what ifs, like, like you said, you because know, Chicago. Is a team that's not to be sniffed at. They've always been like a a proverbial thorn in the sight of Texas. So to be able to take them down in the the manner that we did was brilliant for us. But obviously, commiserations, you know, to the Outlaws and the Outlaws fans. But it's like, I've got to say, I know know it seems a little bit crude, but who's the champion now, bitch? Woo! Yeah, uh, after
0: that, I don't think gonna be that welcome in Chicago, but moving on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how did the team celebrate the win? I mean, you'd of course, everyone would have to be over the moon with this. This is, this is what they've been fighting for since day one, since they've actually wanted to be in this sport. I mean, everyone's dream is to win the championship.
6: There is not one yes, person same,
0: who, who says, I don't want to win a championship. That everybody yeah, if does. You, if you don't want
6: to win a champion, you don't even deserve to be lacing up your cleats. Pretty it's much, like, you know, you play a sport to get that W. You play the sport to get the big trophy. So for like for both Jackie and I, you know, to finally, you know, fall for yeah, finally follow, sorry, in our father's footsteps, you know, and have that trophy on the in the case, have the rings on the finger, you know, it was hugged and it was a tearful moment for both. And when we finally ran into our, oh. Well, he just, it was, it was it was not one dry eye in like, It was just like, you know, we were just hugging and bracing. He was proud that his kids had been able to emulate and reach the top of the sport and finally call themselves champion.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: And it's like, I know the rest of the team, it was a mixture of things like some went and ate themselves silly. They went, you know, had the biggest buffet. Some people absolutely <laughs> drank themselves stupid. But, you know, when you win a big game, you've got to get drunk. We all do. I know I did, but it was more on champagne and whiskey and beer. hmm
0: I mean, that's probably like, not have... the only time you've been drunk on champagne this year, but
6: <laughs> Yeah, we all saw what happened during the halftime show. Yeah. We all
0: know what we saw in Marco, we all know what we saw on the halftime show, I think. Maybe you saw yeah, the drinking kind of scrub a little it bit. From your mind. <laughs> but, uh I mean, of course it's it's always kind of a very in a sanctum thing when a team celebrates it's like you're giving your congrats to players, you're giving your congrats to coaches, you're giving congrats to everyone because essentially you've all bonded into this unstoppable team pretty much, I mean you kinda you kinda end up, it ends up becoming something and that always ends up sticking with pretty much everyone involved with the team at that time, that this is a time in their life that they'll never forget
6: yeah cuz like I said you know earlier on in reference to the to, uh formula one and my strategy for them you know it's taken me you know five seasons now to you know finally get that perfect formula you know between attack and defense and i believe our only two losses in the main season were only very small and i know like one of them for example was only literally a 1 point loss so it's like you know we got pretty lucky on, on some games i know we missed but uh, we had an absolute storm of a season, so everyone literally bonded together. The teamwork was there. And even in the losses we did have, I couldn't fault anyone on because with this with this league, any team can win on any day. You can't, you know, can't relax. And these guys, they trained well, trained hard, and they deserve that ring on their finger. I
0: certainly agree with that. This is a Pretty much almost all the sports are involved in, I think most of them even Formula One, to some extent, Formula One, to some extent, this season, it's you can't really find like it's really the best team on the day, best driver the day de- on the day. It's it's really kind of you can't take anything for granted, and I think you're taking a very good approach to it because some owners and some some coaches would be willing to throw their team under the bus after a loss. Seemingly, you pretty much understand that hey, it's a loss, it's it's not great but we have to move on, we have to focus on the next game and that and I think if more coaches and owners kind of took that perspective maybe some teams wouldn't be in the shape they're in Like,
6: Yeah, because like, I admittedly, like, on previous seasons where we kept on getting dumped out the first round of the playoffs, yeah I swore yeah I cussed and it was an absolute major bummer when, when we got knocked out as it is for any team And, you know, but once I get around this, like, you know, I learn from it because that's what I've done. You know, I looked at, you know, where we were weak and hopefully, you know, patched up those holes. That's why we, you know, sacrificed one of our quarterbacks, you know, in the trade to get that first round draft pick during uh, last season's draft, scratch scratch call. Mm -hmm. Started that one again. Draft pooled. Yeah. You know, to get Trooper because we knew we needed some solid defense. And he really did provide that. We wouldn't have been able to win it without Triper, that's for sure. Because while we've got, you know, the power forwards in this game and, you know, one of the best defensemen in terms of Kevin Kevin Carbono, Carbonara, Carbonana. Carb- Carboner. The bunny the bunny guy.
0: Yeah, yeah, but the, the, the large bunny is larger than Lance Wildfire.
6: Large bunny with a big butt. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know, because we need just someone else because, you know, one man can't do a whole fest so with people like him, L- 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 with you know, with Kevin, Logan, Jamarcus, you know, we had to, we've got a solid defense now, and hopefully, we can keep the majority of them to keep that solid defense when we defend our title next season.
0: Yeah, that's that should be interesting. It's always a hard job trying to defend your title. Only a few teams manage to do it, and sometimes the ones that do it tend to be the best teams we've ever seen. Like I mean, you look at you look at Orange and the Faffle from twenty fifteen to twenty seventeen, they were a top team. First year they were underdogs, second year they proved it, third year they were the target and they still held on. And I think if you can if you can end up going back to back, you are a top team, and if you end up doing it even more, you are probably one of the best teams of all time. I mean to be fair, like Chicago got very close to that, and I think they will be bang for blood next season. Like, oh yeah, nothing... we we're, g- we're going to have the ber-
6: target definitely. You know, especially from any Chicago. That's why I know when it comes, whether it's in the in the preseason or the main season, our first game versus Chicago, everyone's going to be calling that you know, like the quote unquote rematch from the fur furball. Pretty
0: much, like that's how it always happens. Like, I mean. I mean, if it, like if you're a team that's lost, and you get the first spot against a team that that beat you, you're probably you're probably going to end up having a good season, or you're going to be motivated enough to continue a good season. So, it is really going to be I'm going to say a very interesting game when we get to that. But when you I mean, er- and on top of that, like you have other teams who may move up, you may move down. I mean. If you look at the... If you look at kind of the... Fairfield at the moment... you got Geelong moving up... And T- Brisbane moving down... So you kind of... You get what I mean... Like the league is always in flux... And the thing is... You, if you're good enough to defend... You're probably one of the better teams... We've, we've seen in history... But... Uh, Jack? Yep... Oh, yeah, you lo- I lost you there for a second... <laughs>
6: <laughs> yeah sorry just trying
0: to get this stupid microphone working on the air yeah uh yeah we we, we, we. <laughs> so yeah I mean as I'm saying if you guys can pull that off I think a lot of people will probably say that you're probably one of the better teams because I mean no one else has ever gone back to back in the in the UFL era like like you stopped the first team who ever got close to it so we'll have to see
6: yeah because uh, I, yeah, I knew because like I said I want, I'm going to try my whole down this you know to keep the title in Texas. Because I want to, i want a second furball trophy. Now I've got one. It's like, you know, you got the taste of blood. You want more. Uh-huh. And I'm going to try my damnedest, you know, to do just that. But I know every, each and every other team, each and every other player, each and every other fan in this league is going to be coming for Texas. They want what we've got. And by how we're ready for
0: yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they go later in the year. Uh, finally, you had a bit of a recent championship tour over Texas, so you went Ooh, all yeah. across the state in that. So, give us some details of what went down. I mean, I know there were meet-and-greets, there were photos, there were fans the trophy. Just, what are some of the highlights or some of the stories that have happened on the road?
6: Uh, like I said, we, we, just, we had to do, like, you know, an open-top tour for this. Because, you know, you can't have the state winning, you know, the big game and not have a major celebration, a tour of, of some description. So, obviously, you know, literally the streets all lined with fans wearing the various jerseys. Even some of the old old jerseys from, you know, teams gone past in the, in the state. You know, some of the older teams back from the old FFL. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was just great to see, you know, some of the old-timers, including, you know, players like my father, you know, anyone who played in the original but obviously we had like you know meet and greets coming out the wazoo because everybody wanted to meet their championship team but they, like the funny part is actually from the meet and greets there was more people taking photos of Curtis Pike's foot <laughs> than there was of you know people like you know Jacqueline or Kevin or you know the players everyone was wanting a picture of Cur- of that frog's foot because you know we all knew the kind of like punts he was pulling off and how he was named for all MVP it was just it was insane, but funny. You should have seen a look on Jackie's face. She was not happy. Because she's a little bit of her hey, look at me, and this sort of cream thing, blah, 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 yadda, yeah. hmm But, yeah, it was just... Like, I don't know how what it was like for Curtis, you know, everyone holding on to his foot every five seconds. In the end, I think we just got a little footstool, man just to rest it on. Just even just lifting up every time or taking his shoes and socks off every single time a fan wanted to see his foot. Yeah,
0: I hired. Yeah, I think after a while, I'd probably want my foot on a stool too.
6: Jeez. Well, we had to get like a red, like a proper red bell of it one, because you know it was the championship-winning foot. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised no one tried to lock it off us. Oh god.
0: Well, I mean, maybe in Florida they might have, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's that's jeez, that's that's quite a story. But, uh, I mean, the trophy how how did that handle the trip like were there any accidents with it or were there anything close to that or did it were there attempts trying to take it or did it just go through scot 3 set, no problem and uh, that's apart that
6: apart from a few uh, a few sticky fingers a few smudgy faced kids who were like you know having ice cream hey little it's <laughs> Yeah. You know, putting their sticky fingers all over, which caused it to be repolished like half a dozen times. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we had like plenty of security around that thing. And, you know, I'm pretty sure if anyone did try to do a runner with it, our players literally would have chased him down. We probably would have just sent Kevin after him to sit on them or something. <laughs> but, you know, he got, you know, defenseman of the week, God knows how many times during the main season. And I'm pretty sure if anyone tried to get away with that trophy, he wasn't going to let them go.
0: Certainly not. I don't think anyone would, but hey, that's that's how it is. Some people just want to kind of try and be famous. I mean, I know, I know, in England back in nineteen sixty-six with the with the soccer World Cup, like some bloke stole the <laughs> stole the World Cup trophy. So as you do, yeah, you never know. You never know with these people.
6: Yeah, they just want their five minute. Yep. Jeez, But hey,
0: anything else you want to kind of talk about before we wrap this one up?
6: Yeah, I think we're all good. Pretty much went through everything. It's mainly been about, you know, the Furball celebration, which is still ongoing now. You like I'm still still getting approached in the streets by fans in Texas thanking us for, you know, as they say, bringing the trophy home. Cuz it hasn't been since the original FFL that a major trophy has come to Texas.
0: You would actually be right about that. I, they, I don't. Th- the Lone Stars have only ever played playoffs, I think, once or twice, and they haven't gotten that far. And that's, I think, that's about it. I don't think there are any other teams in Texas, if I'm honest. Like, I don't even think they have even got a baseball team coming in the UFLB. So, yeah,
6: very interesting. interesting. Yeah. Oh my god, I might even give that some thought.
0: Well, you might have to wait for an expansion period then, my friend, because they've already announced their team lineup. <laughs> yeah,
6: you know, you never know. Things may happen in the future. Yeah,
0: things may happen. Maybe there might even be a hockey team there someday. I mean, I know you yeah, love your we, ice
6: yeah, hockey. Yeah, but, but first we need like a diesel league that's set up first, not some little crappy tin pot out.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of regional leagues, not really a national league yet, so we'll have yeah, to we see need on a proper that. a
6: professional league.
0: Yeah. But yeah, it's great having you on, Jack. Great to have you again. Good to get yeah, your insight on in this me. stuff.
6: Like... Oh yeah, it's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you, Jack, for coming on. And back to you guys in the past, or in the studio. I don't know if we've recorded this before or after. Back to you in the studio. <laughs> um, right, and that's probably about it for Around the World. I'm on that bombshell. hmm <laughs> <laughs> Uh who wants to join me on Formula One? I'll take it. Alright. Alright, so next up we're gonna be talking. We're gonna be talking about. Like, we're gonna be talking about again. I'm just repeating myself after that. <laughs> we're gonna be talking about the Monaco Grand Prix and the Canadian Grand Prix in Formula One. I'm <laughs> All right, well, Zane, let's go off with the results of Monaco, and oh boy, this was an insane one. It not only is in Monaco, so tight, you've not much overtaking, but yeah, I mean, hell of yeah, a yeah. lot of the,
4: the turn- It's yeah, turns are insane. Uh, so many hairpins with and with uh, Gareth Bell and finally winning it with Gareth Bell and winning it this year. Uh, just really goes to show up. this the, this guy's incredible driving prowess. Uh, he's insane. Uh, Gunnar, Gunnar Thor, uh, Gunnar Thorvaldson, uh, insane again, just a nut. Uh, Christine Thomas, again, an absolute mad, uh, madman with the trade, trade good one. And here's number six, Kimori Urufa, finally back on there. Um, on there, which is weird because did he not win? Wait, what do you mean by it's like the triple? So like he won for triple crown when? Uh, I don't. I don't think I have the number. I don't think I have the date on me right now. Uh,
0: he won it in 2015. But uh, to correct you on that, uh, Christine Thomas is a female, not a madman.
4: Okay, he's a mad last Mad last okay.
0: We're getting a lot of mads yeah. and insanes here, so <laughs> I think we'll be filling out quite I mean office.
4: it's it's <laughs> I mean it's it's Monaco, so like if you even place if you even finish, you're you're crazy. So you you're a crazy good driver. You're crazy good. Way. Um oh let's see, yeah. Uh, okay. Number seven, uh with, with number seven, uh Netsa- Natasha Maximov, uh, again, she's incredible. Uh, let's just, let's just, oh, sorry, my screen's going weird. Okay, uh, let's just run down uh, 8 through eight through 14, which are all the finishers. Uh, Cassandra, Quell, Cassandra Quell at number 8, number 9, Troy Ryder, number 10, Vesta Magnussen, number 11, Darren Mitchell, number 12, Hunter Evans, number 3, Addison Tamward, which I'm surprised to even finished. In um, number four, to Kona so no shame. um when you realize Marlon Fortier, um, which uh, I'm, I'm not gonna spend too many too much time working with Addy in Marlon's relationship that's going on right now. But uh, the fact that Marlon didn't finish and Addy did is just goes to show the true power of the Monaco of the Monaco uh, of the Monaco track. It, it'll it'll kill anybody. It'll take out anybody.
0: Certainly, and I think hey. the biggest thing there is that our two title, our top two people for the title, Petrie Sarkonen and Dominique Costa, went out in the first lap, after like the first oh. corner and had...
4: yeah, like, yeah, we're we're like on the second turn, yeah, they were gone. Yeah,
0: yeah, Sarkonen has a mistake, takes out de Costa, de Costa in the in the madness takes out Valmetar and Fortier and. Mm. We end up getting a red flag as they have to get the cars off the track and we get a restart. So that mm. was that was insane. And on top of that, Scuderia Marinello couldn't even finish both of their drivers as Alessandro Rosali later on in the race goes out with an engine failure. So both drivers... thats I think that's the first time this season... Actually, no, it's not. But it's like the first time that a top team... has has had both cars DNF in the same race. So, that's big news for them.
2: Um, Indeed, I mean, a a team... I mean, an organisation as strong as Marinello, neither car finishes. That is shocking.
0: (laughs) Certainly, but one of them was by a huge accident, and the other one was by unreliability, so... Think of that what you will. Um, pretty much, I'm gonna say. St- pretty much, I'm. I think Jack was here. I'll ask him about Mon. I asked him about Monaco in the interview, so we'll see how how he reacted to that. I predicted that he he jumped into the swimming pool naked after learning that his driver <laughs> just won <wanted>, it. So, <laughs> so, yeah, so he another- better. Yeah. i bet on that. Jeez. So, yeah, so
3: because.
0: Calendar. I don't think I want to go to the uh, video those. Mm. So yeah, that was Monaco. Some people call it an anachronism, but I say we deserve to have it on the calendars. So just for the sake of creating inc- create some insane races. Uh, moving on to Canada, I will give a quick rundown here. Australian Trey Goodwin finally gets his first win in Formula One after years and years of trying. Yes. Big went for him. He he was absolutely excited on Team Radio. We'll play a snippet here of it. He was, he was over the moon.
5: Yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: And I think the next driver, Gunnar Fulvadsen, gets second again for the second consecutive race here. And he is now, I would say, he's joined DaCosta Costa and Sarkanen as a championship contender. Like, we're gonna get to the rankings soon, but if he keeps this up in consistency, he'll be charging for the title at the end of the season. So that's good. Dominier DaCosta Costa with another podium podium. She has been misses she's been miss consistency this season. Uh, Darren Mitchell finally stops his bad luck of runs with a fourth place finish. Sakan, championship leader, finishes fifth. Cassandra Olet finishes ahead of teammate Gareth Felon in sixth and seventh. Kimori Othru in eighth, getting another batch of points for that for that uh, for that underpowered Reynold power, power unit. He's, he's doing God's work at the moment. Alessandro Rizal, finishes in ninth. I mean, not the best finish, but considering the DNF'd in Monaco, that's to get two points in Canada's probably, probably a better result. Moe, um, unfortunately, rounds out the top 10. Uh, Tammy Tart outside of it. Same, 12th was Christine Thomas. Vasta Magnuson 13th. Chanda Redstone, 14th, after finishing fourth in Monaco. Natasha Maximov outside points this time in fifteenth. Dakota Sona she finishes sixteenth. Kendrick Skunk gets across the line in the Orku Tech in seventeenth. And your drivers to DNF in this race: Addison Tamwood in twentieth, Troy Rider in nineteenth who got caught out, and Hunter Evans who had an engine had an engine blow up. At, after about I'd say. If I can get quickly get it up, I'll just give you the thing. Uh, yeah, after twenty three laps, his his Raynaud power unit gave up, so it was on. It was even on fire, like Not fire. Yes,
4: like, yeah, his car was like about to about to actually explode. Like I was,
0: like it was kind of. But I mean, the the, fi- the fuel tanks and. In Formula One, have come a long, long way. I'll tell you that. Like
4: they, they really have. I mean, but the car was on fire, so like,
0: yeah. But yeah, you got Hunter Evans as a driver. I really feel for. I mean, he's getting out beaten by he's getting beaten by his teammate as a top level driver, and it's not really through much of his fault. Like that car is just not very good. Mm. Like, I mean. If they improved that car, I think you'd be a consistent point scorer, but it's really just the car that's laying him down.
2: Yes, it's... I mean... I mean... Arufu is the only Reno driver who has scored points this season. I mean, there, yeah, there are two teams running Reno engines, Fentech and Oculatech. Arufu is the only one with points. At all.
0: Uh, yes, and a lot. <laughs> and the thing is, he's currently in eighth with thirty-two points. So he's he's doing decent in that car, considering the performance. But
2: he is that, outperforming the car by a country mile.
0: <laughs> that just shows his talent. Uh, but I mean, well, didn't Ryder score a couple points in Monaco though? Uh, Ryder and Sonnuchi are FMW drivers, so they're, dri- they're driving for the German. Pr- they're driving for the German brand, not for not no. for the French brand. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the that's the thing. Like I mean, FM. I think one of these teams, I think as we're going to see, might want to adopt maybe a Mercedes engine next season if they can,
2: if they can afford it. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Mercedes is expensive.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that or try and convince Toyota or someone like that to to start building engines again because I think Raynaud needs to either pick up the pace or these teams gotta get another manufacturer on board because this is this is not a good unit. (sighs) At least not now. Uh, moving on to some news here. We've got three-time world champion Darren Mitchell announcing his retirement. He will say this season will be his last as a driver. I think that's a good call. He's been there for a long, long time. He's already won three world championships, and as this season has shown, he's kind of fallen off the pace. Like, I mean, in that car, he's, he's sixth at the moment, and he's been... He's a fair... Like, he's kind of the driver in between the top pack and the middle of the pack. Like, like he's got 53 points at the moment. He's about 8 behind Gareth Ballon. So, he's behind the race winners. But he's ahead by... Uh, let's see. About 13 points from Cassandra Olette and Kamari Oferu. So, he's kind of just... I think it's the right time for him to call it quits. I think... I think he's kind of past it a little bit. I mean, he's still decent enough to have a drive, but I think we're starting to kind of see some of that skill aperture away. Hmm. I mean, you get it. You get it in sports. Um. I want to kind of give me an example? Oh, no.
2: Geez, I mean, <laughs> I mean no, Buck Hopper after <laughs> after he left Dakota, basically.
0: Yeah, pretty much. A bit. <laughs> yeah, I think this is kind of a corporate Texas phase, if I'm honest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's there. He's there to be an experienced teammate to Vladson I think at this point, like Vladson's yeah. the one who can win that, the world that's, title. That's Mitchell could not at this point. So uh, moving on, mm. Marinello have announced a F3 TV base in Faenza called Scuderia Faenza. So, essentially, will they be able to provide a junior program that will be the envy of the grid? I mean, with Marinella's resources, they possibly can. But, I mean, there's with F3, there's not that many teams actually trying to, well, be a part of it. So, I mean, it's like, there, it's very much a lot of independent operations. It's like, F2, you start to get a few more teams coming in with their teams, but... Not so much in F3, so... With uh, Maranillo adding that to the thing... We could start to be seeing dri... Excuse me? We could start to be seeing drivers being brought up from... F3 to F2 to F1 through the driver program. So, this could be big. What do you guys think?
2: That, that's, that certainly seems like what that That certainly seems to be what their plan is, I mean... It's too early to say. I mean, I mean, they do have. I mean, you don't. You don't want to bet against them because it is Maranello, but it's too early to say at this point.
0: I I think major so. League. I think so. Uh, I mean, I mean, to be fair, it to Edward, it's kind of like baseball and double AA, A, triple A, and then to the major leagues a bit, isn't it?
2: That, that's what they're hoping to make it into, it, it seems like, yes.
0: Certainly. Uh, Edward, you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Alright, alright. I thought you I, I said I just said F one, F two two, and F three, so F three to F two to the F one's kinda like <laughs> kinda like double A yeah. to triple A to major league. So
3: Oh yeah, no, I get that. <laughs> Yeah, I know my ears per my ears perked up when you said baseball, don't worry. Well, baseball's
0: <laughs> up next, so don't don't worry about it. We'll be done with the racing in a minute. <laughs> don't uh <worry>. I haven't <laughs> been tuning this out. Okay, uh anyone else wanna kinda of bring up kind of this and just kinda of their thoughts on F three and F two.
1: Well, it's simple as that. And, and uh, working uh, to, uh, to uh, uh, their future and Uh, when you you got the means to to, to, uh, create the the future drivers uh, you you go for it Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, a bit muffled there Charles I think uh, I think today you got the chocolate cake Mike where it's just like (laughs) you got everything covering it (laughs) just muffling it but I get what you mean you're saying that if you if you can kind of go for the for their junior program, and you got the thing, go for it. And I think that's what Marinello's come up with. Just go for it at this point. Oh yeah, you got to start somewhere, so certainly. And as I said, I mean F three at this point, there's not many. I think I think Marinello might be the first kind of top team to have an associated junior program with F three. It's been mostly independent teams this thus far. So will this start a trend? Maybe, I don't know, we'll see. And (laughs) moving on to the current standings in Formula 1 and Formula 2, we'll go through kind of the top ten of each. Uh, Petri Sakunin leads with 90 points. Ten points behind in second is Dominique DaCosta. If she can get a good race and Sakunin has a bad one, she'll take the lead. Three points behind her, however, is Gunnar He's He's become a contender this season, and frankly... This is going to be an exciting battle if we get it. Uh, last, the Canadian Grand Prix winner, Trey Goodwin, has gone up to 4th with that race win. Uh, Gareth Ballin, winner in Monaco, now in 5th, by two, 3 points off. Uh, so, 64 to Goodwin, 61 to Ballin. Darren Mitchell in 6 with 53 points. 7th is Cassandra Olette with 38 Kamuri Ofuru in 8th with 32. Chanda Redstone from the Tremblant team in 9th with 31 points. We'll go through the rest of the points, people as well, because there's not many left. Uh, Moen Fortier... No, sorry, I missed it, Uh, Rosali. Alessandro Rosali having a bit of a struggling season so far, but he is a young driver, so I think Marinel will give him some time. Currently in 10th with 26 points. Fortier not far behind in 11th with 23. Christine Thomas has gotten a podium. Ori replaced Al- Anna Alnion. She's in 12th with 15 points. Natasha Maximoff in 13th with 7. Tammy are in 14th with 6. Vasta Magnussen with- in 15th with 5. 16th is Troy Ryder with 3 points. And the drivers yet to score points this season. Kendrick Skunk, Hunter Evans, Dakota Sonashi. Anderson Tamwood and the now out of out of F1 Anna Leon. and on to F2. It's definitely heating up a bit there. We've got it is really tight up the top. April Fawcett from McNeil leads that by four points with 94. Antron Russell from Scuderia Coloni, the F2 team from Marinello, in second with 90 points. Uh, Catalina Aris or Arias is very very close behind on eighty nine points in third. Nathan Martins is a bit further back on seventy five points in fourth. Tobias Wolner in fifth with fifty points. Sonia Ayako. Uh, Gee, some of these are getting I mean, really that's hard. I, I that's yeah, Sonia Acasio in sixth with forty nine. Rafael Martinez in 7th with 44. Zach Hemsley in 8th with 32. Elio Rossini in 10th with 28. Peter Wilde in 11th with 27. Christine Thomas, who has now gone up to Formula One. Currently 12th in the F2 standings with 24 points. That, w- that will be her total for the rest of the year. Uh, John Ann Carlson in 13th. With 18, Brandon Galloway in 14th with 8, Anna Morozova in 15th with 5, Remu Zuba in 16th with 4, Zanya Alla with in 17th with 2 points, and we get to score points. Nazuko Tachino, Ishmael Nazar, Feren Azara, Alex Premier, pruner and Anna Allian, who, as we've said, DNF'd in her first feature race back. Uh, Guyner Championships now, um, quickly. Kart uh, Power Ferrari leads the Constructors with 130 points, followed by Scuderia Marinello in second with 106 points. One point behind is Hamed Force Kanda in third with 105 points. Scout Scale Trex is now in 4th with uh, 99 points. 5th is LongTails with seven, 70 points. Tremblant in 6th with 54 points. Fentec in 7th with 32 points. All from Kamari Oferu. Craner Markati with 12 points in 8th. FMW in ninth with 3 points. And Okutech Renault. In tenth with no points so far. F2 is it's very close. Uh Scurria Coloni lead that with 118. McNeil in second with 112. Loretta in third with uh, 107. Matsumura pure with in fourth with 94. steinman Sport with 93 and 5th. Kataro Sports Vitality. In six with seventy-nine, team land with thirty-five, Hand force B with twenty-four, Melesi Vial-, Vial Viality with six points in ninth, and Octane and Octane F2, who are the junior team to Okutec. Same with their all the all the siblings on zero points and in tenth. So that's the that's our wrap-up of Formula One. Now on to the UFLB. All
5: right. Yeah, and oh, thank you very
3: much.
0: Edward, yep. you know more than I do about baseball. You've been waiting for this. Let's go over them. Here's a draft preview and overview of the top fifteen draftees in the amateur draft. Not in any order. Let's start off with Melody Longtail. What have you got? All right.
3: Uh, well, what I got from her, uh, Melody is a a fox out of ga- uh, Maryland, looks like. Uh, she went to the University of Maryland. What? What? Uh, I've been able to, to do some. Some bios here from some of them. So it's uh, it's uh, showing me here that she's actually been doing pretty well in her career. She was actually the first female to join her high school varsity team, which is always nice when you're seeing some integration here. Um, but it she kind of uh, was a bench writer back when she was in college, although she pushed up through her senior year, which is actually why she's doing pretty well, I believe. i'm Looking through some of these evaluations here, they've got her at. Uh, a pretty good fielder. So that's actually good to have a... Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mention she was a, a right fielder. All right. So having a, a decent a de- decent speedy outfielder to do the fielding is always great. And uh, But unfortunately, her speed doesn't seem to translate to space running. So that might be the thing that she has to end up looking for. Although she did set a record at her senior year for batting average and hits. So she's probably going to be a lot of singles singles that hit her
0: there. Yeah, so that's that should be good, I think. I mean, to be fair, I Ever. don't, I don't oh, know. Sorry. I, I was going to say, I don't know much about baseball, but that sounded alright. I mean, got to work on some things, but she should be okay.
3: Oh, seriously. I, yeah, everyone's got to work on something. Uh, I think I have here on three stars on that. But, so, just just to also give a preview, I'm going to I, for each of these other 14, i I've got to go similar. I've got a, a lot of their their pros and cons on here. So we're always going to try and say something good and maybe something that needs to get worked on. So mm-hmm. with that, we're going to go uh, next. And, and like like we said, these aren't in any particular order. Uh, looks like Kirby Sparks here it is coming out of Saginaw Valley State. Is a kangaroo rat out of uh, Southgate, Michigan. Hmm. So it's interesting seeing a little uh, the the smaller species because you know you've got that that kind of dichotomy where you're trying to figure certain uh, certain positions uh, have to have a certain height. I mean, it's not like basketball where you need every species to be like eight eight feet tall or whatever.
5: <laughs> <It is>. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, he is coming a general outfielder. Uh, so, so what's saying here? Uh, Kirby always been trying to be fast and athletic, because with his his size, he's always got to you know kind of got to make up for it in speed and everything. Uh, he's got great base running, and he's a contact hitter. Now, like you said, you don't know much about baseball, so contact hitting is is that's a, that's trying to do the the kind of uh, I'd say. The nuts and bolts of baseball hitting, where mm-hmm. it's not just hitting it out of the park all the time. It's racking up like the singles and doubles in order to kind of grind out those runs. So, having a good contact hitter is always good on your team because they may not necessarily hit for power, but you got a good chance of hitting, period.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, not everybody can hit for power. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, yeah, it would, would be, but you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I kind of have my power hitters myself, but. But context it is certainly needed. I will say that it's like it is like in the FAFL with the forward line. You do need your big goal, big guns on goal who can kick goals from anywhere out. But you also need those guys who can kind of just get the ball into the forward line to get to your big, big goal kicker. So it's it. it there's everything in those sports. Like every sport has as their as their nuts and bolts kind of player that doesn't really score that much, but but are necessary. And they also but you you also have the big scorers who. You don't go to all the time, but they're almost guaranteed to get you a score. Oh, certainly.
3: Now, I'll admit I'm a bit more of an old schooler that I like things small ball more than the uh, the home runs a lot. But that's just me. I mean, being an old beat writer for the pioneers, having decades of history, it's kind of that's just kind of my own take on it. So, mm-hmm. so I I kind of prefer these kind of contact hitters just to see them a little bit more of a I guess you'd almost say a retro kind of hitter.
0: Certainly, certainly. I mean, like, I mean, baseball—it's a lot more about the home runs now than it once was. So, yeah, I'd say you're a bit of an old school person. That, but that's not—that's not to say it's not a vital part of the game. So, exactly. Now, I, I, I'm
3: not as old as say Cedric, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> I think there are rocks that are younger than Cedric, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh let's move on uh let's see let's go uh next is is actually one of our first latin players on this uh coming up here uh jesus canseco he goes by the nickname of rocky he's out of havana um interesting to see we, we always get that good spade of cuban players every year uh you know with the things going as they are we'll see how many we are uh he's another outfielder uh, let's see. Actually, he though he was born in Cuba. He actually went to to school at Florida Everglades. So he's actually kind yeah, of uh, so he's uh, a bit of the the batch of the, those Cuban born Floridians. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Going through here, he was MVP on his junior varsity team. And then Varsity the following year, he managed to break into the collegiate level pretty well, where he actually holds a few records in in several categories here. But it looks like he's he's just kind of a... a what I'm seeing here is he is listed at three and a quarter stars, but he kind of needs a bit more seasoning, I'd say. He's a bit of a hothead that needs a little bit of coaching, but, you know... Sometimes you need that kind of personality to bring in the guys at the turnstiles, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, you pre- you do. I mean, you need those personalities. Like if there aren't, if there are like you need your personalities and you need your your silent but deadly types. I think you do need that kind. Of, you're right. You do need them to get them through the turnstiles because I mean, sometimes the most boring teams in the world who. Might be effective, but are kind of boring. Just don't do it for you, so... <laughs> oh, yeah. I would say... I'd say he might be more of a commodity to a team that might not do so well in the next season or so, because, I mean, if you can get a player like that, you can, you can keep the crowds up.
3: Oh, yeah. And being uh, you can always build a team around a decent outfielder, because, I mean, basically outfielding is just running around a lot, and so... You don't, well, you know, not to denigrate any outfielders, but you don't need to be a great fielder so you can focus a lot on your hitting. Mm -hmm. Because you're not trying to get the kind of flashy, instant kind of thing that an out infielder gets.
0: Certainly not. Certainly not. Mm.
3: All right. So, uh, next on my list here, we've actually got the first pitcher I've been looking at Uh, Alex uh, Iwatani. His friends call him Pac Man. He's. Originally from Atlanta, uh, went to college though in Roanoke University. So it's interesting that he got uh, mo- that he went from Atlanta up to Virginia to do that. Uh, let's see here. Doesn't have a heck of a lot of of uh, his own stats here, but he does have a kind of apparently with his whole season. The last couple of years, he's been he's been getting to kind of the. Uh, I don't know, feel good story because his grandmother passed away from cancer, unfortunately, when he was a freshman. So he was kind of trying to 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 use that as like we were talking earlier, the kind of emotional boost. And with that, he's only played three years. So he's actually leaving as he left as a junior, but he was able to make a player of the year his last year uh, for his entire conference. So he's got a lot of uh, talent Um. But there is some problem with Pac-Man here. Apparently, he's kind of one of those bad boy personalities. He's had some run-ins through the law, so we'll see who wants to kind of bite on him. You know, he's always at that, that that risk. And with the with the 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 league trying to get from starters, you might, like I said, it's it's really that that kind of team that really wants to see if they can bite on that whole bad boy pitcher.
0: Certainly. I mean, if he does play him out, I mean, there's always pro wrestling for him. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't think uh, I've ever seen a baseball wrestler before. <laughs>
0: oh, you, you've never watched the wrestling in the mid-90s now, have you? <laughs> moving on.
3: Yeah, moving on. Uh, let's see. Next is a left fielder. There's a lot of outfielders, it seems like. <laughs> but uh, uh, Rafael Cabrera Jr. from... Um, Marque Venezuela, Jagarandi, who actually is a teammate of uh, of Jesus, of Rockies, because they uh, went to Florida Everglade together. So we've got kind of a, a, a big powerhouse here of Florida Everglade bringing forth a lot of the Latin American species coming up. You- talented hitter, uh, but they're actually saying he's got budding power, so he's definitely one to look for to see if he can actually be the guy to kind of be that counter to the, the contact hitters. He's got decent, pretty good fielding, uh, but leaves a little bit more seasons there, And but he definitely seems to be, from from my notes here and the, the reports in Florida, that he's kind of the, the opposite to Rocky on, on the Florida Everglade, that he was always kind of the serious guy, whereas you had everybody in the dugout. Baseball has this strong, goof-off kind of culture in the, the um, dugout. Raphael seemed to be the, the, I guess, almost the mother hen, the one kind of, like, not being very very goof-off and serious, so uh, that actually could that can be a good thing for a team's chemistry, having somebody that is grounded.
0: Certainly, uh, that's... You need—I mean—you need a mix of grounded personalities, and you need a mix of of eccentric personalities. I mean, as you right, the dugout, that's kind of a bit of a goof off area. I've heard a lot of stories about the dugout, honestly. <laughs>
3: I've oh, heard of, man, I could tell you—I'll I'll tell you some stories later uh, if you guys have me back for my time following the pioneers of all the kinds of goof off pranks and, and, and cream pies and and bubble gum up the. Uh, the pitcher's uh, rosin bag and that kind of stuff
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean you're doing a good job here I think you will be back I mean who knows maybe episode 20 we make that a special episode where we just go through stories with stories of just experiences we've had covering our respective sports and that <laughs> yeah. Might, yeah might be a good idea that'd actually
4: be really fun though mm-hmm. that would be really fun though
0: yeah I mean, I did talk about my time at the Slam Dunk Contest for the FBL in Australia, so I I certainly have a few more stories up my end, but let's continue on with this, I think. All
3: right. Uh, Continuing on, we have uh, Christopher Katzma. He's an outfielder, actually, from BC, from Squamish, BC. Uh, Let's see here. Looks like this wolf is uh, born and raised Canadian there, so kind of... I won't make the the mistake of saying he's kind of uh, the uh <laughs> wow, my brain just kind of fried there uh, of uh, Charles there cuz obviously you guys are from the opposite side of the country there. But it looks like Oh, <laughs> uh, you were saying?
1: I uh,
0: Sarah. Uh just he said something, but I mean <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I mean, there is a Canadian team coming in from Saskatoon. I mean, it's not near Montreal, but it's something. Hey, it is definitely something.
3: Uh, anyway, so they might be looking to pick a, him up. Uh, looks like he was actually playing. Uh, he played really young. He started doing semi-pro ball at 17 with the Squamish Grizzlies, of the piece of the Pacific League, uh, had a lot of the, the scouts and recruiters w- following his tail. Let's see here from what I can tell. He's got... Uh, actually, it looks like his, fir- his first year going to community college, he hit four eighty five with 32 home runs in just 43 games. So uh, that's actually a, a really crazy good kind of numbers. I mean, you kind of expect that a little bit in the collegiate and minor league stuff. So we'll see how it translates to the major leagues, but at least it's a good start. So... Apparently, he's also actually a decent uh, base stealer on that. Mm -hmm. But it looks like his biggest issue is he's got uh, patience issues. Oh. So probably high uh, strikeout to hit ratio. I mean, you know, nowadays, strikeouts don't seem to carry the same uh, negative cachet anymore. So that might be good for him. But we'll see. But like I said, he might be a good pickup for uh, kind of homegrown talent for the Saskatoon
0: team. Certainly, I mean they need to get some Canadian players in, perhaps. Well, not too many, but uh, then get a few <laughs> in. I mean, I mean you don't want to be overloaded with players from one area. It's like, oh no, you do that, and you just like you end up like Marinello. Like years and years ago, where they just kept picking Italian drivers, even if they weren't very good. So, (laughs) I certainly
1: actually, I think,
0: I think uh,
1: there's uh, there's actually uh, uh, a player, uh, of the Woods, might be. Uh, I think for the draft, uh, I believe, it, uh, she's a picture. I think
3: so. Let me check. Let me get on with that. I think, I think you're right. I think we do have somebody from the east side of Canada. Not, I don't have them in my list, so not exactly the highest, but at least... Up and coming. I mean, from what I'm telling, this bump this crop, for the first year of the draft, actually, there isn't anybody that's below, like, say, a two and a half or a two rating. So, definitely, anybody that can get dra- drafted will be a good asset to the team. So, yeah, if mm-hmm. uh, you know that player, would definitely be good. You know, or 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 Christopher uh, Katzman here. Um, you know, a little homegrown talent to build around is certainly a good thing because you know you get the whole. Uh, oh canada kind of thing going on
0: there uh Jesus. as long as you don't get that las vegas lounge singer to sing our canada you'll be fine <laughs> hey,
3: hey that's not my squad i mean the the nears are doing good coming back anyway
0: uh, anyway I was, about, next... I was talking about the bandits or the one time when like one time when montreal came to las vegas like they had the, this lounge singer who said yeah i could sing o canada and then just sings sings o canada to the tune of our christmas tree
3: <laughs>
0: oh, oh no! Oh I'm like no! Vegas
3: for you. Yeah.
0: Gee. <laughs> oh god! But yeah, let's move on. I, I th- we can save the stories for this another time. I think.
3: <laughs> uh, that's the next. Uh, next <laughs> is a pitcher from uh, another Cuban. Uh, he's actually from Florida Aquatic, uh, a uh, Atlantic Blue Marlin called Delphine Hernandez. His nickname is Nino. Actually, uh, he left fairly recently, only about uh, seven years ago from Cuba. So uh, there's been a lot of, of kind of culture shock for him, especially because he ended up well, he ended up in Florida, but that's not too bad. Uh, he got lucky that he was able to train with one of the top coaches from Cuba, so he was able to kind of get a little bit of homegrown pitching there. Let's see. Uh, one of his highlights is he's able to get his team in high school to a state championship with a, a 13-1 win-loss record uh, and 134 strikeouts with just a 235 ERA. And that's actually still kind of tough to do nowadays. It says that also he's threw no t- uh, two no-hitters in, uh, on the way of the t- title. So that that actually is that's, that's something you got to sit back and kind of raise the eyebrows and the ears with, you know? Certainly. But we got him at about... Three and a quarter stars. He should be... Uh, obviously, he's not going to be an ace to start off with, because you never want to put a rookie as your ace. But definitely, probably could slot in as a good three or four slot pitcher, just immediately.
5: hmm
3: And uh, next is a catcher, Alistair Gordon. Uh, he's a bull going out of Atlanta who went to Georgia Tech ad- there. Mm-hmm. S- all right, my notes are kind of all over the place, oh, <laughs> <geez>. scattered guy. <laughs> I
0: know how you feel. I know how you feel.
3: <laughs> um, but bull, uh, him being a bull actually makes a really good role for being a catcher. That's what kind of a lot of what he uh, he's been scouted as is being a steady kind of presence behind the plate, and that's always what you want. Um. Uh, there's been some talk lately about not doing the rushing the plate as much but at least for right now somebody like uh, Gordon here can be a good kind of brick wall. <laughs>
5: mm-hmm.
3: So that's what that's a lot what he's scouted at but uh, it's always good to have a a great catcher there. Like uh, he's had three stars uh, primarily for his his defensive but considering catchers aren't really well known for a lot of offensive I mean, he is apparently a good power hitter for, uh, as a catcher, so that is something to look forward to on him.
0: Certainly, I think. Uh, you don't hear much about catchers, but if you can do that job well, then, well, you're kind of set for life, aren't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes.
3: Next here, we've got Gareth Fuller. Uh, his nickname is G-Force. An uh, African wild dog out of Long Beach that uh, has gone to UFLA where he's had a pretty decent run there. He could be, he could be a good uh, pickup for the Long Beach Waves since they're starting back up. Uh, cause I would actually put him uh, among the top, uh, the top five. He's got uh, pretty strength there. Uh, third baseman. Uh, he played all four years for college and he actually did pretty well there. Um, it's just funny because I'm not getting a lot of notes on him, but that he but uh, he did get evaluated at three and a half stars on his last uh, looks to the scouts. So he's a good. He'll be a good boost. I mean, having a good infielder is always good, anyway.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: And with him being as good as he is, apparently, actually, the funny thing about interesting about him is he picked up baseball through cricket. So it's gonna wow. it's it's, it's, it's so I was looking Whoa. at the tape, and he's definitely got that kind of weird little cricketer kind of upswing to him. So that actually can help his power because the launch angles and all that. But it's still, it is still a blast to watch a cricketer kind of stance because you don't see that very often.
0: Um, can can Gareth can Gareth Fuller tell me where cricket ground is in in the U.S.? I might want to see if we can if we can play a game of Aussie rules there, because I... It's so hard to find a goddamn armor in the U.S.
3: <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I mean, he he's from England originally, so that's really where you got his cricket base, oh, but I'm pretty sure it's if there's cross. one player that could tell you where a pitch is, it'd be him. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, good.
3: Who knows? If he gets enough money from a draft, maybe he'll build a pitch wherever he ends up.
0: Oh well, well if it a to Lord specifications, it wouldn't be an oval; it'd be a it'd be a rectangle, right? <sighs>
3: <laughs> I don't know. It's a it's the states. I'm sure we've got plenty of uh, open spaces. Heck, I think Central Park in New York could definitely be big enough to to put a full on official cricket uh, field there. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go on next. Uh, we've got. Francisco Delacroix, uh, his nickname is El Santo. He's actually out of Monterey, where he went to college there in UNAM. Uh, it's, he's a coyote who... He's been, so, he's been interesting, because what I've been seeing from him, he's mostly just speed and a little bit of contact. But he's got like the kind of old-school kicks off of the outfield whenever I saw tape on him. Mm-hmm. I, he's almost there's a rumor but that he's actually sit, spends his off season as a luchador
0: oh okay so i got from yeah, yeah, T- yeah. to Lucha libre okay <laughs> yeah
3: yeah yeah that's what i'm saying it's really interesting the, the, the rumor circular. <laughs> i mean you know, the thing is is with that nickname el santo kind of builds into that but with the with the luchadors i mean they're i, I what i've been telling you i know there are a couple of coyotes down on the, the circuit down there so clearly you can't like eliminate that way and it's not like you know who they are mm-hmm. you know there's a tradition of always wearing the mask even if you're out you know being your character so
0: mm-hmm.
3: It'd be interesting to see if he ever slips up you know what I mean <laughs> that'll
0: be interesting that'll be interesting
3: yeah so he he'll be an interesting story on that one to watch I'm sure there's gonna be people uh Trying to see if he ever gets goofy and puts on the mask in the middle of the outfield or something. Who knows?
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, but uh, his his uh, evaluation—he's got skills in most of the categories, uh, mostly focusing on fielding and though, he, just doing these these kicks and flips. So he'll definitely put people in the ring, uh, in the ring, <laughs> people in the turnstiles. Yes.
0: <laughs> then well, I put people in the ring.
3: Who knows? <laughs> You know, whoever picks him up, who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe the right GM will be uh, will pull pull some sort of uh, pregame show or something, where mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> he takes on all comers.
4: I just, I just want to see, I just want to see a baseball version of the uh, she's a stunt granny. Just eat.
0: Ah,
4: uh... <laughs> no! I just want to
0: see that. I, I, I think I know too much. That's a I worse reference than the one when I made about the the wrestling baseball player during the strike. So, <laughs> <laughs> um. all right, let's see here. Um,
3: next up is Elizabeth Waters, the nickname Wrong Way. She's an Arctic fox out of Key West, actually, and it looks like she's another of these college, of the Everglades, um, alumni. So that's three so far in my top fifteen. Uh, she's actually a pitcher, though. It, it looks like um, the the look on her is she's got an interesting delivery. She doesn't have any speed. So it's going to be interesting to see that we don't have a fireballer on the uh, from her. She's got a lot of kind of t- uh, tricky pitches. Because you don't see too many knuckleballers anymore. So it's going to be interesting seeing somebody like her. Obviously, the speed is her biggest issue. So it's going to be interesting to seeing what wrong way does. Now, what I've heard is that the, the, the nickname, she got that back in, 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 in hot, in uh, college because she completely throws this weird kind of almost oh. like stares at the outfield in her windup before actually throwing. That's an interesting style there. Um, Apparently here, and this is actually thrown in her bio, her bio she actually uh, spends her time in the off-season as a uh, assistant bartender there in Key West.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> so I'm pretty sure nice. she's going to have quite a few fans, uh, uh, no matter where she lands.
0: Because, <laughs> uh, I mean... To be fair, I mean, I've heard of, I've heard of worse. I've heard of worse, like pretty part-time jobs on the side as well. I mean, I've been hearing some rumors about some other ones, so I won't get into them there. We'll get into them when I can confirm them. But let's just say, probably, a, it's probably an all-right job. Let's just say that. Oh yeah, I mean, the
3: tips are decent. Yeah, I guess, certainly. Right? <laughs> All right. Let's see. We're, we're we're coming up on the home stretch. The next one I've got here is uh, a pitcher. Actually, a, a not not pitcher. Sorry, second base for, for out of London. Although she went, apparently, to college in Hamilton. Her name is Daisuke Maxwell. Uh, uh, second base. Let's see. Apparently, she is a, a dual-sport athlete when she came up... Uh, Actually, it looks like triple sport from what I'm seeing because she was originally when she was in high school she pulled
0: wrestling and hockey
3: hmm. I'm wondering if this is London, uh. Ontario and not London, England <laughs> that she's originally from
0: Well, if it was London, England she'd be My playing friend. cricket again I know right <laughs> <laughs> in fact she might have been a part of the world cup winning team so who knows <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh yeah congratulations uh. by the way uh to, the, to England on that. All
0: yeah, right. No, uh, not, she's gotta... not exactly from me, because, well, Australia oh, no. should have won it again. So, even though we didn't even make it to the thing, because we couldn't beat them. Well, the Ashes are coming back, so whatever. Congratulations, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Begrudgingly said.
5: Yeah.
3: All right. Well, Daisky here. She's got a quick arm on the infield and uh, good base path speed, so she'll actually be a good pickup on infield. Uh, That also means that she's able. She's kind of one of those good good hitters that can stretch a single into a double, almost like like no no problem. Mm -hmm. And uh, being with her hockey uh, team, that means that she's definitely got a lot of uh, that hidden strength. So uh, she's definitely going to be up an up and comer on that. Um, From my notes here, she's showing that she's strong in most of the areas of her game. She doesn't really have any weaknesses, but, you know, just other than being a rookie, you're needing some seasoning. All right. Next Hmm. one. I'm not going too fast for you, are you guys? No, you're going fine. No. We're doing just fine. (laughs) All right. right, We've got uh, the next one be Chelsea Matic. Her nickname is Dagger. Uh our first dragon on the list, she's a shortstop from uh, Pe- from Pembroke, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Um her interesting thing here is she's actually a huge Taproots fan. Oh, so she's okay. tr- uh, oh, being wow.
0: from Massachusetts. Well we've got a Cedric's lot of favorite player then. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Girl after my own heart. <laughs> oh. uh, she did. It uh, Looks like she did. Uh, she she focused more on baseball though basketball. So she's she's uh she's got the tickets to the taproots games, but she focused on on baseball actually for about nine. That she's got her start. Let's see. Although oddly enough, she's also. Won the New England Junior Figure Skating Champions, only second place in 2013, so she's light on her feet as well. Mm. Uh, she went to Underwood, where she was a 278 hitter with a decent power, so she's not like she's not always hit it out of the park, kinda. But she was high in her own clutch. Apparently, the where the year she picked up the nickname Dagger, she hit five lead changes in the eighth winning or, la- or later, including two, wa- uh, two walk-ups during the season, just where she hit personally. Hmm. So, it's always a good kind of uh, you'll get that glut- clutch hitting, because there. we were talking about chemistry, and you need a good, somebody you can rely upon. Apparently she's also got good base stealing on there, so. It's not nice. Apparently, she lists uh, her favorite player as Jake Turner. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love her even more. <laughs> well,
0: there you go. He's the greatest, oh. greatest,
3: Although, I've
0: ever It's known. kind of funny because she's
3: listed as 5'9. She always wants to meet Jake Turner. So the fact you've got a 5'9 dragon. Looking up to an eight-foot-tall fox, I want to see a picture of that. Apparently, she's. I, um, what I uh I caught one snippet where she says she wants to. She almost wants to beg him to take batting practice for the next spring training, wherever she gets drafted. So. <laughs>
0: your... Alright, really <laughs> <God. laughs> uh,
3: next we've got oh sorry.
0: Okay. Oh, okay. Alright, here we go.
3: Uh coming up on actually looks like the last couple of people here. Uh, next one we've got uh, Manzur Velasquez nickname Manny V out of Phoenix. He's a fennec. He went to Arizona Polytechnic. So there's another one of those, the the short kind of speedy species going on there. Uh, Apparently, he's showing it well as a up-and-coming shortstop.
5: Uh,
3: Apparently, he would would have been a strength uh, of a big, strong hitter, but he broke his arm falling off of a climbing rock when he was in high school. So he ended up shifting his entire focus uh, going more ambidextrous, uh, being able to kind of like that, that quick, uh, with either arm just to make sure that in case, you know, the one arm goes, he'll be able to do with his second one. Um, it's kind of given him a bit of a, of a devil may care attitude from what I'm saying. He, he has a lot of flexibility, kind of throws himself uh, into, into catching. So he could actually be a nice draw as well. Uh, It reminds me of some of the old shortstops back in the 80s where they basically threw themselves into it. It's almost like you don't see that nowadays. I know, I know, I know. Get off my lawn, kind of old, old old coyote (laughs) fart. But, uh, you know, you don't just... You don't see the same hustle out of a lot of players. It used to be that you would see most infielders dive for a ball no matter what, but... So we'll see if Manny B here kind of, like, sparks that back up. It's always good to to always see kind of an old-school player again.
0: Jeez. Oh, God. I'm still kind of reeling from that previous player, for i <laughs>
3: <laughs> Well, you know, oh, there's always a lot of interesting personalities going in here. Uh, let's see, my last one... Uh his name Benedict Roberts nicknamed BR out of Dearborn Michigan Detroit state so we're talking like full on I'm proud to be from Detroit kind of uh kind of player he's a, he's a red ferret uh, and another pitcher he he was apparently trained by his dad to become a pitcher like straight out of high school and went straight to Detroit straight where they he led them to the 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 Furry College World Series in both 2016 and 2017 and won it in 2017. So we'll see how how that arm can go. And if uh, he'll be able to lead whoever picks him up uh, to to, to the championship there. Now, I do have one kind of, I wouldn't say, I I wouldn't quite say uh, honorable mention. Didn't quite make the cut, though. There is an interesting though. Uh, we don't have uh, now. We've got the your usual plays of uh, of American species and and Latino species, but we actually have one kind of up and comer from Japan. So it's always good to see a Japanese player. named then Kakichi Ishikawa, a a small clawed otter out of uh, let's see if I can pronounce this right Ogana from the Saitama Prefecture. Went to Kohai University. Now, he's not rated very high, but apparently he's got a lot of endurance and control. Let's see. It looks like what it's saying here is that he kind of grew up in one of those those almost typical Japanese kind of uh, the father pressuring the the son into doing you know, just about anything they can.
4: Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah, you know how that goes. Uh, he, apparently his father was a high school band director, so kind of pushed him to going in that way, but Kakichi Kik- went went the athletic route. Okay. Yeah, Um. he unfortunately doesn't seem to have a great kind of chemistry with his teammates, which is kind of probably why he got moved a bit low, but he has a decent control and endurance, so he might actually be one of those rare pitchers nowadays to go deep into the sixth, seventh inning. Uh, once again, nowadays you don't don't seem to see pitchers go that deep. So having a good arm on a four or five slot that you can go into the seventh or eighth actually could be a hidden gem there.
0: I can. Yeah.
3: Alright, so that is about what I've got for I guess that ended up being my top 16. Uh, any thoughts you guys got so far? I've got a couple more thoughts uh, coming up the season. But I want to hear what you guys uh, think so far about uh, these up and comer players.
0: Okay, go Well, ahead.
3: interesting Interesting that there are a
2: couple players on that couple top prospects from Florida Everglade. Um, I do know that they have produced. Um, Several FBA players over the past few years, so it's like they're building up that baseball program over there too.
3: Mm-hmm. That's going to be something interesting to see—is how well that's going. It's always nice to see a, a college that I wouldn't say dominates <laughs> the draft board, but certainly brings a couple. I mean, because because the downside is you got to wonder what that's, what what their chances are going to be for next year. Hmm. And like when all the FBA players go out of a particular like one-and-done kind of thing, and then you see what uh, what a program's uh, really made of if they're constantly just churning through players, or if they get that great spark that fifteen players leave and now they got to rebuild. So. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> But that's about it from me on the players. Um, it's going to be interesting. We're, uh, the draft should be happening here pretty soon, and then we're going to get things started. Uh, the commissioner is still weighing on how, how many free agents from previous leagues that we're go- that they're going to have available. So we might see some old, old sites from the old FLB days. Uh, we'll see. We've got a couple of the teams moving forward with that. But the other eight teams um, will be uh, a lot of fresh faces. So it's going to be nice to see baseball kind of coming back into the whole realm.
0: Yeah, certainly. It'd be very interesting to see how that goes. Uh, Before we move on, uh, who do you think uh, these 15 will perhaps go number one? Or is it a bit too early to tell?
3: I think it's a bit too early to tell because it really depends on what a team needs. Because, like I was saying, you got those four four teams that are carrying over from the FLB, so they've already got a kind of a couple players that they've already started, and they're going to draft low. So you might see one of the other teams swinging for the fences, yeah. metaphorically speaking, um, and building around. But um, I've got a good batch. Would probably be what I'm looking for is probably GeForce. Um, Rocky maybe up there. Game Maxwell actually, like I said, um, she's got a good strong on on a lot of her game, and you can always do a good infielder. So I'd say probably one of those three, uh, maybe Manny V, as well, because another good infielder. But there's a lot of infielders and a lot of outfielders, so it's gonna kind of be you know competition to see who gets the who gets the nod.
0: Certainly, it certainly will be. And we'll have you back uh, next time we talk about the UFLB. If you want to join in, we've got two more things to talk about. But first off, it is the FAFL. I got a long
5: road to walk down to catch a tram to my favorite ground. How so I like my forty two yeah. Well, that's the thing about that's what I like about. Yeah, that's
4: a thing about the thing about football. That's, that's what I like. About, I like yeah, that's the thing about The thing about
5: football.
0: And before we get on with that, I think we've lost Charles <laughs> some some time, but the uh, show goes on. show goes on. We'll, he'll be back. He will be back. Uh, moving on. Here's God. the faffle.
2: Abna's <laughs> um, crashing into the, all the internet servers.
0: Oh, jeez. Where next?
4: The, oh, no. <laughs> and,
2: and,
0: yeah, Zane's gone too. Zane's gone too.
4: Yeah, I've got some, I've got some work going, so i got to... I'm gonna head out.
0: All right, catch you later. See laters. you. Catch you later, Zayn. See you guys. See.
3: see,
4: see
3: you guys. guys. Oh yeah, see you next time.
0: Yeah, well, we're down to a three-man team, man. Let's get it right. <laughs> Let's get it right here. Uh, moving on to the moving to the standings after round twelve. Uh, Melbourne lead the pack. With uh, 9 wins and 3 losses, huge percentage of 136.66, putting them ahead of Fremantle in second with the same record, but with 123.16. So, it will be a bit of a hard mountain to climb for Fremantle, but if they can get a game ahead of them, I think they could get first again. uh, Orange on a league of its own with an 8-4 record in third... Geelong, huge surprise of the season, currently fourth, seven and five, with a with a with leading by percentage over East Sydney, who are fifth with the same record. Uh, Gold Coast missing out of the five at the moment in sixth, currently a game behind East Sydney, and Geelong behind them is higher on percentage. Uh, in 7th, 8th uh, is Darwin with a 4-8 record probably won't make finals but they've had a much better season than, than they've ever had in the competition so this is a good season for them uh, Brisbane have been a huge team that's kind of dropped off uh, they're currently 4-8 in ninth. and then in 10th we've got of course in a pack of their own, Adelaide 0-12, 12 game losing streak it's getting a bit ugly, but though that, that's your letter after round twelve, and there's a lot, a little bit we still have to go through. So, uh, anyone want to join me, or is it just gonna be me kind of talking for the next kind of fifteen minutes?
2: <laughs> I might be able to chime in here and there. Yeah, all right. Well, I'll try and carry <laughs> try to follow this. as
0: well.
2: Try to follow as well as I can. All right.
0: Uh,
3: news.
0: Alter- all right.
3: Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I was going to say I tried a little bit. Although it's kind of interesting, to, uh, kind of a sad thing to say with Adelaide. I mean, that's it's almost in the realm of, of kind of sports movie. Are, are they getting ready to move? Uh, like, that old, like that old baseball movie of tanking it just to see if they get moved to a better location.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> with the news I've got, they won't be moving anytime soon. I've got some news on expansion teams coming up, so... We'll yeah. see. Uh, first off, we have got to talk about the All-Star game that happened since the last episode. Uh, the Southern All-Stars beat the Northern All-Stars after a great game, 19 goals, 18, 132 to 17 goals, 19, 121. Faith St. Clair of the Northern All-Stars, also of the East Sydney Roosters, won the Teddy Wilson medal for best on ground. She almost got the Northern All-Stars across the line with her performance. Like, she was great in the midfield with Matthew Blake, so... A shame they didn't get the win, but that match is going to go down for the ages. Go down for the ages. I mean, it had to replace State of Origin. Big task. It's done it. I think we're going to be having this for a long time in the Fafel. So, we'll see how that goes next year. So, not much really to talk about on that front. Just going to drink that up. Uh, Marvin and Freemal are both slugging it out on top spot, as we said, for the minor premiership and the f- weeks by in the first week of the finals. Can anyone stop them from romping to a grand final together? I mean, it is close to the top, but they have both been kind of dominant. Guys, I know you don't know much, but thoughts on this?
5: Hmm. <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, they're in the best position. They're in the best position they could possibly be in. I mean, top of you always you always want to be at the top of the standings rather than the bottom. <laughs> Poor Adelaide doesn't want a game yet. Yeah. Uh,
0: well.
3: uh. <laughs> also, been interesting just to watch those two because their their points differential is just crazy. I mean, Melbourne scored less points, but they're like got only a, a like a differential of just a little over four fifty. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's. I mean, both of those teams have been scoring high. They've been defending well. They've they've really been a class of their own this season. I mean, I don't think even classified orange classified orange in that class, and they're like right behind them and eight and four. Like it's certainly been their seasons to lose but I mean it's really kind of, it really will depend because I thought it'd be Gold Coast, Melbourne sure thing grand final last year and Melbourne failed to get past past Fremantle in the preliminary finals so maybe something similar happens this year, I don't know so time will tell Uh, maybe our next team oh what Maybe our next team as Ge- Okay, who's written this notes? Who's written. The, <laughs> me fail English? That's impossible. <laughs> but.
3: I, I think what you're trying to say is Geelong has put in a surprising run so far. Yeah, they are hitting fourth.
0: Yeah, certainly. I mean, they were third. Third, we were originally going to record this, so. They've dropped a little bit, but that's just because Orange have picked up the pace, so it's like. <laughs> Geelong certainly a big surprise this season. I mean, they went with a team that didn't really get along last season. Like, they had Gregory Perkins, who... He's reformed now, but before, he was a poor, oh, bigoted piece of crap. And then trying to put him on a team with an openly gay player, a player that has had some trouble with the law, um, a player who doesn't, who doesn't like him by the way he acts because he's the leader... Bunch of practical jokers, and a guy who got caught once once having catnip with Jackie Knight causing an entire controversy. Oh. Yeah, uh, that team was that team felt like it was going to fall apart, and last year it kind of did. But this year they've somehow put it together, and suddenly we've got a team that jowls. So Geelong have gone from where Brisbane are now. To potentially maybe playing in a qualifying final and charging for a flag here. So this is huge. So what do you guys think?
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean Yeah, they certainly put they certainly seem to have put that drama behind them, which is always a good thing.
5: <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: Well yeah, I mean it's always comes down to the playoffs. That's why they call it the second season, right? Mm-hmm.
0: That's
5: true. <laughs>
0: I mean, you can't... I mean, last year, you can't lose finals if you don't make them, and, well, they didn't make them, so... <laughs> you can't be judged on the finals. Uh, but this year, they certainly care if they keep this up. Orange have... Speaking of Orange, they've bounced back after a year off the top. <laughs> they were 3-6, and six, I believe, halfway through 2018, after being the premiers of the previous three years in a row at that point. They had a good run to the end, but they missed out and finished seventh, so they missed the finals for the first time under Guru Bluru's entire tenure. So, this year, they've, they've managed to pick themselves back up. Are they as dominant as they once were? No. But are they playing good football? Yes. So, I think they may play a bit of a part in finals, but I can't really see them making the grand final and winning it. <laughs> But, but, I mean, you never know. You never know. Uh, as I said, Shalong and Hobart on the outside looking in, both on 6-6. Six and six. Uh, Hobart were looking pretty good until, until the last game. We're like, Darwin had probably the best first quarter I've ever seen ever seen in the FAFL history. Like, they kicked 12 goals, 9, 81. To two goals, three fifteen. It was insane. Like, normally you might kick 30, 40 points, maybe 50 points, you're lucky. To kick, to kick 81 points in one quarter alone, especially the first quarter, that's huge. But, yeah, it's pretty much kind of how it is a bit, I think. But, yeah, like, both teams on the outside looking in, they've been good, but inconsistent. What do you guys think? I mean, one of them is the reigning premiers, of course.
3: I can't always bet against the the defending champions, so, I mean, they might might bring it together. They might end up having that kind of winner's curse, you know what I
0: mean? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, the Gold Coast themselves, I think they've kind... I mean, they lost... Quite a few players, and that we kind of talked about last time. It's like they might, if they don't make the files this year, they're just gonna probably fill a few holes in their back. So we'll see. And before we move on, a bit of a quick one here, but uh, well, a quick, quick thing segment, but I got some more scoops on expansion teams and the Dockland Stadium situation with Melbourne. So, here we go. Alright. Uh, looks like Edward's going to be leaving us too, so we're down to two men. <laughs> Sorry about that. I got a dropping, last question. like <laughs> yeah, alright. That's cool. We'll, yeah. catch you. we'll catch you later.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me. I definitely will We'll be right up there for the next time you guys need me, eh?
2: Mm-hmm. Alright. Alright. <laughs>
0: Alright, have,
3: have a good one, and uh, I will see you guys in the funny
0: papers. Alright, catch you later. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. So, uh, Cedric, you're going to have to, you have kind of know a bit about the situation, because we talked about last episode, how mm. Melbourne wanted yes, a sorry. contract, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and the league don't want it, so, excuse me? Mm-hmm. Since we did that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the League itself said, no, that's bold dash. It's ru- It's rumor innuendo, nothing of the sort. I don't think so. Because mm. I have been faxed and sent emails of the letters talking about this from both Melbourne and the League. I have it right here. Melbourne... Saying, we believe, have said in this letter, we believe that Dockland Stadium is too small for our club now. seeing how we, we have so many members here, like about seventy-five to 80,000 members, we need to be playing every home game at the MCG to, to cater to our support. So, essentially, the league is saying no... But the but the Hammerheads want to be playing at the MCG all the time, which to be fair, I'd want to be playing there all the time as well a bit. Even mm. like I I'd want to be if I had the option. I mean, I see it from both sides here. I mean if I'm Melbourne, I of course want to play every game at the MCG. Best stadium in the world, like you can keep your Lords, your your Yankee stadiums, your Fenway parks or whatever. Or whatever it stands and that I don't know what those two are, but whatever. Uh, the MCG is the best, best one out of there. Like Lords, that's just a that's mm. just a rectangle in the middle of nowhere or some town in that. Mm. And I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> just I like the MCG, mm. okay? I like it. Um,
2: hmm. I mean, I can definitely see Melbourne's point of view here. I mean. It doesn't make sense to turn that many fans away.
0: Certainly and not, but you I mean... Can to
2: sell be... out a larger stadium.
0: Yeah. But the thing is, the league owns Dockland Stadium mm. because they put the money in wa- to invest yeah. for it.
2: Back and when it was they, built. And they want a team to play there at least a couple times a year.
0: <laughs> yeah. So there's your problem, but... I've gotten a few more... I've gotten a few more letters from... From F.A.F.L. House and Docklands. There are expansion teams on the horizon, folks. There is... There is one here that I can tell have been in contact with F.A.F.L. House. And there is one that has been trying to get into contact with interest relating to Docklands. That... That has been kind of ignored a little bit, but have there's been a little bit of talking. But more of the lines of, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, what you're hearing is kind of rumours. We're not interested in trying to find another team for this venue. So, first one of the one right. that's actually in contact with the League at the moment. We've got another team from Path potentially coming in. So, to join Fremantle, it looks like we might be getting a team from Perth here. So, so essentially, the idea is they'll play all their games at Perth Stadium while Fremantle play some of the games there and then some of the games at Fremantle Oval. Hmm. So, that I think might be interesting. I don't know why they're going with a Perth deal, but they seem to be in talks a lot, and I think. By the time, within a few weeks and that, I think we'll get the official announcement for that. But, the team that has been trying to get into contact about the Darkland Stadium situation and provide a thing for it, I predicted this last episode, it's Melbourne City, again, (laughs) are trying to get into the league and are now using this situation as a chance to get into the league. <laughs> and when they asked about it, saying that they're interested in all that, the league said, well, there is no situation at Darkland Stadium, that's just a reminuendo. Wow. Well, <laughs> now that I've put forward the entire thing that it is not... I have the letters. I have the papers. I have. I've gotten all this stuff from FAFL House. Expect this to ramp up. I think so. There's a bombshell. Pretty much. I mean, I wish there was a few more people here to actually kind of give a bit of reaction to it. But that's the bombshell, folks. Melbourne City wow. are going to attempt to try and intervene themselves into this situation by letting Melbourne break the contract and play all the games in the MCG while giving the FAFL what they want by having a team base at the Docklands Stadium in Melbourne. Hmm. So, huh? let's say this is just about... To, this is going to get pretty, pretty heated, I think. Hmm. But uh, Cedric, I think... Before you end up evaporating into thin air, I think we need to go over the FBA. <laughs> so, here oh. it is. The FBA. just had the finals
5: yes
2: yes Bangor Tides yeah. versus the Hawaii Kahunas yep
0: a have never a matchup nobody expected but uh, mm. take us through it Cedric
2: yes two teams on <laughs> literally the op- two opposite sides of the country oh god <laughs> you may have you may have heard that they needed uh, they took um, three days an extra day for travel between mm. well, the switches between venues, which wise idea considering.
0: Certainly. So it kind of reminds right. me a bit of like Losses A FAL grand final with the uh, Gold Coast and Fremantle, both from mm. different ends of the ends of the country, but they only had to play one game, and they had to play it at a neutral venue, <laughs> in Melbourne mm. at the MCG. So, but yeah, this is like you got to keep flying back and forth and playing at home grounds. So this that is a good idea, I think. <laughs> Imagine mm. if they didn't. Wise decision.
2: <laughs> Wise decision. <considering>. Wise decision.
0: <laughs>
2: right. So we look at Bangor's road to the finals. They swept their first round series against Albany, four games to none. They defeated Biloxi in seven games in the second round, four games to three. And in the conference finals, they defeated My Plymouth Taproots, four games to three. Yep. Game seven of that one was a heartbreaker. Less I say about that one, the better.
0: <laughs> yep, I think so. Hmm.
2: And we look at Hawaii's road to the finals. They had a bit of a tougher, a bit of a tougher road. They needed six games to win their first round series against Winnipeg. Four games to two. Yeah. But same as Bangor, they needed seven games to defeat Santana in the second round. Four games to three. And in the conference finals, they defeated the defending and FBA champions, Dakota Bikers, four games to free.
0: Oh, interesting.
5: Mm, yes.
0: Certainly. Uh, I mean, to beat Dakota is certainly a huge, huge task to do, considering that they were the reigning champions, and most expected them to go back-to-back, so it's going to be that was going to be interesting that they did that. So I mean even if they didn't get it mm. done here, which they kind of mm. didn't, like it was still going to be a big big win. Mm. So, so, Cedric,
2: so, it should be it should be noted about Dakota. They were missing their center Ben Derby.
0: Ah, okay.
2: So, that was a bit of a factor, but I mean even so, to be the best, you got to be you. You have to beat the best, and Hawaii certainly did that in the conference in the Western Conference Finals. So now we go to the recap of the six games of this final series. Just quickly going through the scores here: Hawaii won Game One, 113 to one twelve. Bangor won Game Two. 113 to 100. Uh-huh. They won game three, 112 to 97.
5: Uh-huh.
2: Game four, 98 to 90. Hawaii won game five, 100 to 92. And game six, Bangor won 108 to 97. Bangor defeats Hawaii, four games to two become the new FBA champions.
0: Interesting. So, with Bangor have won, Lance Walfi gets his ring, certain other players do too, like, well, does Leon Dalmont get a ring even though he was hurt?
2: Well, Leon De- Leon was injured in game one, but I imagine, I mean, he was, he was a key part of the team's success all season leading up to that point. I don't imagine... I can't imagine you wouldn't get a ring.
0: All right, well, t- teammates get Leon Darwin his ring. And so, storylines on the thing. Hawaii came back from a double-digit deficit in the fourth quarter to steal game one in Bangor. Very yes. interesting.
2: Just a, just a crazy comeback in that first game.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: But Bangor and... You lose Leon Delmont, one of the best young guards in, ba- in yeah, in the league to injury for the series. Calf strain. You never like to see that, but... I mean... I mean... Bangor's credit, they've always been... They've always had very good death, and in this case... Pura Doris Quash, they call her Sluggy. Mm-hmm. She stepped up in Belmont's place big time. Oh. And the other key to the series was Teatera winning her matchup with Scoony Barrett. She played very well in this series. These blocks, dunks, you name it, she did it. Mm hmm at that power forward spot I mean, personally it hasn't been announced yet but she, personally she's my favourite for finals MVP and an interesting note, the road team in this series won five of the six games, only Bangor won at home in game two
0: who said said home field advantage was insurmountable?
2: Well, it was. It, I mean, with the, all the travel in this series, it was. I mean, I guess you could say it's sort of it sort of negated it a little bit, because yeah. I mean, even with the extra day off, it's it's still an adjustment traveling all that way back and forth. Mm-hmm. So, so there you have it, Bangor tides. FBA champions.
0: Yes, yeah, certainly the FBA champions. End of season rewards. Let's awards. Let's just go go over them quickly. Uh, most valuable player, Jonathan Law from Dakota. Anything you want to say about him?
2: Well, I mean, he is one of the splashers of the Dakota Bikers. Good to see him getting his due as the MVP.
0: Uh, Kevin Malka gets Defensive Player
2: of the Year. Again, well-deserved. He played very well in that first-round series against Hawaii. I think that turned a lot... I think, yeah, that swung the boat a little bit in his favor. That turned a lot of people onto what he had been doing all year defensively for Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Uh
0: hmm Sixth star of the year. Um... Andreas Vilkaatis,
2: Vilka Vilka Saitas, I believe that's how it's Yeah. Yes, and, and he's
0: yes,
2: and he is well, he's the backup shooting guard in Biloxi behind another young star guard, Kasper Kusik. and well, he that one is interesting because last offseason. He had an opportunity... He was courted by a couple teams to be their starting shooting guard, but he decided to stay in Biloxi, play on the bench. And, well... And it, it's worked out fairly well, I would say.
0: Okay. Terrio... Terrio to Rookie of the Year. So your son has won that, but that's the, That's not meant to be the one we're meant to be on. We're meant to be on Aki Pratt-Marsen-Proof-Play, so... Yeah. Just give me the first thing on Pratt and apologize to your um, son then because he (laughs) deserves an apology. You said he was no good. (laughs) He's He's rookie of the year. But give us something on Akiat first.
2: Alright, well Akiat, well, Akiat, Pratt I mean, he has flourished in starting role now in Lorraine. Raised a lot of eyebrows last year when he was selected as like, kind of, I think it was last or second-class spot for the Eastern All-Stars. But this year, he really earned it. He, I mean, there were several players who could have earned most improved, but I think he is a worthy winner.
0: Okay. And now, now. Uh... Now, just I uh, don't know. Right? Did we talk about Terry? I was just kind of just looking at the next show and was thinking, "Oh God, <laughs> well, we're going off a cliff, well. folks." Do the thing. <laughs> Do the
3: thing.
2: <laughs> Do the thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. Hmm. Uh, well, I of of course earlier this season. I infamously went on Albany sports radio and I said, he should not have been the number one pick. He wasn't that good. He goes out and wins rookie of the year. Oh, and by the way, his team made the playoffs on the final day. They got swept by Bangor, but, well, I mean, Bangor won the freaking championship. So that's nothing to sneeze at. You only got swept by the the eventual FBA champions the first round, Mm -hmm. but I mean, I mean, yeah, clearly I was wrong here. I'm proud of you, son. You're a very good player. You're a very good FBA player.
0: Right. So that feels good to get off your chest, does it? It certainly does. Well, you're about to feel even more good. The Executive of the Year, Art Sadowski, President of Basketball Operations of Plymouth, and Coach of the Year, Kevin Boyd of Plymouth. Hmm. I'm guessing you're going to completely gush over these guys.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, it's hard not to argue that they deserve these two. I mean... Plymouth's comeback, this past season, this off season, remarkable stuff. I mean, uh, you go back about a year ago, they were second to last in the Eastern Conference. I mean, and they were they were settled with the contracts of Travis Buckner and Nina Lime and going nowhere, and Art Sadowski did a masterful job rebuilding the team through free agency, yes. They did manage to sign Jake Turner and Kenny DeMarcus, but also through the draft. Trevor Cruz, Michael River, they got those two with their two lottery picks. Those were very good picks, in my opinion.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: And, yeah, I think those two are going to be future stars to watch also. And Kevin Boyd? Well, mm, he's been away from... I mean, he had... I mean, I was cautiously optimistic. He had been fairly successful as a college coach at his alma mater, Avian U. Yeah. And
5: <laughs>
2: but he had been away from coaching for a few years working on TV down in Baltimore but yeah to, to his credit he took this group of quite a cast of characters and took them to within a game of the FBA Finals.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: I, I say he's a deserving winner as well.
0: Uh-huh. so yeah that's that's it that's that's it that's everything we've got to do with the FBA Season- alright I, I, I've gotta go for Christ's sake Uh ah, uh, god so I've been Wes Carey I said, I've been Wes Carey. (laughs) And everyone's just kind of abandoning me here, so... So, we'll see you next time on the Wes Carey Show. Good night.
5: (laughs) (laughs) It's more than a game!